0: We are back for another week of SDS Fly Fishing Podcasting. It is good to be back, man, after our little Easter break. Oh, speaking of that, after uh, we do a pause, I have a gift from a, from a listener that I have to run next door and grab. we got to open it on air. Okay. Yeah, I totally who, forgot. Who, who, who are boys? Huh? Have you
1: got a mouse in your pocket? What do you mean? You said, oh, boys. Oh,
0: boys. You're right oh boys you and me <laughs> <laughs> just the two of us oh that's what we should come into we should come in the little will smith we should have <laughs> it would have been fitting so man uh we got a lot to talk about this week um i did my first float in my drift boat since uh i did all the work to it over the weekend over the winter yeah over the winter <laughs> jeez i can't talk i can tell we had a long break jeez but uh Hey, tonight's show being brought to you by Predator Fly gear. Check them out at predatorflygear.com. It's Sims Fishing, all your outdoor gear at simsfishing.com. Hey, Mark dropped some news today or this week on uh, Instagram and the Facebooks and the Twitter spheres and in real life, he's going to be starting to do a little bit of guiding around. So, uh, check out Urban Fly Company for all your flies and fish needs. Who else do we got? Uh, Yeti, built for the wild. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, we're dropping one and picking another one up. Cool. Down to earth financial, man. If uh, if anyone's looking to add to their portfolio, our buddy Michael, check him out.
1: Queen City Guiding, Ryan Evans, our buddy, a couple weeks from now, going to be a hitched man. Been doing some great work on his house. Yeah, he has. I'm sure he'll still be shipping stuff
0: at of queencityguiding.com. There we go. I think we got them all, man. Cool, cool, cool. Sounds good. So, um, hey, I think I we should take a break. I know we started a little bit early. Um, let's let's cut this off when the song's over. I'm gonna run next door and grab a grab that package from uh from the listener, and uh, we'll come right back. Sounds good. Sounds to good,
1: man. Let's do it.
0: Okay, guys, we're back. <laughs> so, we got an Easter basket from. Fucking wood. <laughs> from, from good friend of the show, Pat Lombardo. Thanks, buddy. Um, I got an Easter egg. Jace got an Easter egg. Jace isn't here tonight. He's not opening it tonight. We will do it next week. Jay got an Easter egg with a fly attached to it. I don't know if that's mm. on purpose or not. Oh, that was. My wife got an Easter egg. So we're going to take a video of her opening it and uh, put it on the Instagram page. My mom got an Easter egg. Uh, my mom is not going to open it on air either. I'll video her opening it and put it also on the Instagram page. Mr. Mark Burns got an Easter egg with an A-Rex sticker attached to it. So we will, he will open that next week when he returns. And then there's a big package right here. It's fully duct taped shut. Um, there's also a shitload of Easter grass. We got some stickers from the Badger and Hound Brewery in State College. A Renzetti sticker. And a pack of modeled 10 millimeter apricot beads. Straight for Jay. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so, um... I will go first, and I'm going to open my egg. Oh, look at that. I got a Murdich minnow. A Murdich minnow. And the one and only Chartreuse mop fly. Ooh. That's that's a winner, dude. Was, oh, uh, if, if, if there's fish that don't want to eat these, I don't want to catch those fish. Uh-oh, I got a bunch of Easter grass. I got a bag full
1: of Easter grass, my guy knows me better than anybody. (laughs) I'll have to bring this next time we go on a float together, buddy. (laughs) I wonder what that would smell like.
0: (laughs) Booyah. (laughs) So what do you think? Do you want to open this, uh, this big duct tape package, Jay? Bob, I wanna go take a gentleman's break. <laughs> sure, let's do it. There you go, man. Open up. Alright, I'll open it up. That, it that thing's loaded with stickers too. It's got the Gunner Bramer stickers. It's got the Badger and the Hound. Um It says open with care. As Jay is opening it as carefully with as he care. can. There's a big Musky Fool sticker on it. So hey Speaking of Musky Fools, if you are looking for some uh, some Urban Fly Company flies, check out the Musky Fool. He is fully stocked, I think. He should be fully stocked by now. So, Jay, how's that going over there? Uh, slow. Are we struggling? We riding a struggle so, bus? Slow going. I'll, I'm getting there. Yeah, it's fine, man. I can only filibuster so much watching someone Tell somebody up. about your uh, something. <laughs> someone about my something. So, uh, we played kickball yesterday mm. for the first time in like 25 years. I played kickball. Yeah, fuck and a pair of scissors. I don't have a scissors over here. I've been looking. Um, maybe behind me. But <clears throat> Yeah, we played kickball for the first time like 25 years. And my cousin's wife bought a kickball from the dollar store. It was super light. And every time you'd throw it, it would come back in your face because it was so light and windy out <laughs> yesterday. We all ended up sucking wind like crazy. So, Jay, it's your time to, to filibuster a little bit. I'll go grab you a pair of scissors. A filibuster? <laughs> That means talk with no end in sight. Oh, yeah. It looked like uh, Chad got his kid
1: to go uh, swimming in the pond yesterday, jumping off the dock and hanging out on a giant swan. Um, you know, that's that's a good way to get that kid sick.
0: Stop stop looking at me, swan. Hey, you know what? After the uh, the float yesterday that we did, we uh, the kids, when I was running shuttle, the kids were swimming in the river. 57 degrees they had a blast that was the most fun part of their day did you tell them what was in the river (coughs) they don't care about PCBs I'm not talking about the muskie they don't care about PCBs um okay I'm getting somewhere they they did find a water snake and they were trying to throw rocks at it luckily they missed (laughs) <laughs> Pat is driving Jay crazy.
1: Well, this thing wasn't going to go anywhere, that's for sure. It wasn't going to lose anything. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to cut through something with these scissors.
0: So what's the, uh, I got you the smallest pair of dainty scissors my mom had in inventory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're 10 inches long.
1: <laughs> so what's it looking like? These aren't scissors. It's flies. It's, oh. it's flies. It's flies, Chad. Oh no! Oh, so, wow. so we're gonna
0: get to fill up the uh, the guest box even more. Oh, thank you, Pat. Holy smokes, buddy! That's a ton of flies. Well,
1: I have to fill up my box this year.
0: Look at that pile of flies. We're like Pablo Escobar, instead of cocaine, Ow. we like, got <laughs> we got game changers. Holy <laughs> smokes! I feel like the scarf face of game changers. Oh my God! There there's some nice flies in here. Pat, thank you so much, buddy. I see some polar game changers. Mm. Oh, he got all the good colors, too. White and white and white. Ooh, that's a Murdich, buddy. That's going to catch some fish. Wipers. Man. Ooh, look at these dude. Wiper, wiper,
1: wipers.
0: Yeah. Pat's doing it with the strong fuzzy fiber head. Oh, that's got some good stuff going on in here. Oh, I can't wait to see Mark throw up at all these game changers. <laughs> man. So Pat had been sending a bunch of videos of all these flies that he's been tying. I had no idea that this is the reason why. Hey. I'm quiet. Pat Fashion. Oh, one eye. <laughs> it's a cyclops. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. We just kid, but this thing's going to swim good anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't need eyes. Nope, absolutely not. Oh, uh, speaking of that, I lost a fly yesterday, the one I caught all those pike and smallmouth on mm-hmm. with a uh, Mark and Derek. I threw it up in a tree, like higher than I could reach, in a tree. So that kind of sucked. I was I was kind of butthurt about that.
1: Well, I'm gonna I'm going to check on some friends this uh, Wednesday. Wednesday after work, I'm headed to check on our friends maybe I'll have to take some of these down here and get them uh
0: yeah, break them in. Introduce to
1: the locals. Hopefully they're there. We're praying. I've seen some other friends in some other places getting a hold of them our, our buddy uh Levi.
0: Yeah, he got a big one.
1: Yeah, they got some nice fish. Him and uh fly addict. Okay. We're down there. They they always hammer them so I don't know if it's just cuz they're a little more south than we are and maybe a little warmer, but I I I mean I can't imagine that ours aren't there.
0: Yeah, they have to be in there, man. Like I said, it's just lack of water. I think they, so too. But that they'll be they'll be around. You'll be able to find one or two, I think.
1: I hope I hope there's at least one there for me. And if not, one of the one of the eyes and I eye would work. I would take a decent eye, you know, anything.
0: So, uh After you days float. You went out last week for first day of Pennsylvania trout. I did. How'd that <clears> go for you?
1: It went all right. It wasn't bad. Uh I got uh my brother-in-law wanted to go fishing and Uncle Frank had been kind of pumped to go fishing so you know, just got the family together and my dad went and just four of us just trucked out to a, a local in the Shannon Creek. Cool man. Place we always, we go pretty often and uh the only problem like, I guess uh, with this year seems like even with uh the youth day just the fish aren't spread out. There's been no water, like you were just saying. So the fish are all right where they were stocked. And, you know, you can't walk downstream a ways and, and, you know, pick fish here, here, a few fish there, a few fish here, pocket, pocket, you know. And
0: They haven't had the water to spread out.
1: Yeah, they haven't got pushed around. They're right where they, you know, right where they were, sitting right next to their friend like they were in the tank when they were <laughs> back at the hatchery, you know. Hey, 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 Carl, you're still over there. I haven't got washed down yet or eaten by a pike or... You know, some kind of bird, but, uh, hey.
0: just so you know, Carl was the name I was thinking of when I was going to jump in with (laughs) you.
1: It's always Carl, (laughs) Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was the only problem, but, um, we got, and the first hole was pretty much taken up with, you know, the local guys, you know, they get on their stools and show up early and cool. They were nice guys. They knew my dad and my uncle Frank from (coughs) high school and all that, you know, they
0: couldn't have been that nice if they knew your dad and Frank. True, true,
1: <laughs> but they were nice to us, so that was good. Uh, we were walking down, and I'm like, oh, there's a couple, there's a couple bananas, and uh, they're like, oh, no bananas here, you know, and there were a couple right there, there's another one right down from them, but we, we walked downstream just a little bit, and uh, found another little hole, and it was slow at first, cause it was freezing cold that morning, it was freezing, freezing, like 26 degrees. I used a regular rod and reel, you know, just a little ultralight spinning gear. With some with, Joe's fly. You yeah, know, with spinners, you know. I just figured there'd be a lot of guys around, and it's just a little easier. And whatever. I'm, we're out just spinning, you know. Just heat, just burning I'm, a day, man. Throwing bait and having a good time anyway. It's just for the good time of it all and hanging out with bait? the family. No, I didn't throw any bait. I just threw spinners. But, uh real slow at first and i had one flash and then all of a sudden i, I walked down a little ways and found a little nice little deep pocket and hooked a fish and then my dad told all the guys to come down there and then it was on We ended up all peeling about five or six fish right there between the four of us so and that was pretty good no big ones my dad and i walked down a little ways to a real deep pool you know sometimes hold the pike here and there and didn't see any, any other bigger fish. I threw a deep, real good-sized uh, spinner at that point. Heavy lead. <laughs> and, uh, no, I didn't see anything. Walked back up to the truck. Uh, I ended up catching a couple more right standing next to those guys because we got to talking to them, you know, and then I didn't feel bad throwing in. And uh, I was swinging one through trying to get that Palomino, and he, he moved about a foot and a half, two foot.
2: A- was this. guy he hooks a palomino he hooks one of the other big ones that's sitting there
1: and i'm like oh yeah you know and netting it for him did
0: you kick it off his
1: line no i netted it for him <laughs> took it up to him and got a picture and al <clears> beat <throat> it back in from his seat and uh you know banana swam away so it was cool it was that was fun you know and uh we were gonna go up to a little further away uh, Jay started the day out there. I I, I talked to him and uh, he, not not too nothing happening, too much happening. Fish here, or there. He said he lost a palomino. A lot of palominos around this year. It seemed like no brown trout. I caught one brown trout that morning. That was it. The rest were all rainbows that everybody caught. Really? Yep. One small brown.
0: We didn't catch any browns on youth mentor day either.
1: Mm-mm. No.
0: A lot of fish caught that day.
1: Yeah, they didn't. St- I don't think they stocked any browns there this year. Didn't, I think that's. they didn't say it on the, the list on the report. Okay. Because I looked it up. The stocking schedule. But, uh, yeah, we had fun there. And then we went up uh, to another spot on the same creek uh, next town up. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jace on his way back through, he loves that spot. So he ended up going there anyway. And he calls me, and I'm down in the creek. And he's like, you're my, you're my spot.
0: <laughs> As a matter of fact, I am.
1: As a matter of fact. And then he's like, well, I'll be down. <laughs> so... He came down, went down there, and um, we all stood around, kind of round each other. And uh, right under, right next to the bridge, because that's the only place where all the fish were at. And uh, man, Palomino was out there, you know, a couple of them, and they're all swimming around, all pissed off, guys clunking. This one kid across the stream, he's just throwing spinners. It's like, if you're going to throw a spinner at it, throw it up ahead of it and try to meet it. With the spinner as it's kind of swimming or or, where it's staying at, don't just throw the fucking spinner and clobber the thing over the head. Like (laughs) if you plop a rock on this thing's head, it's gonna move and not want to hit. So, but he didn't understand that fact. So
0: did you go out and go over and tell him? "Hey, asshole, quit doing this." (laughs) No,
1: no, I just I just laughed and kept casting at the one I was casting at. So I got oh I got one to move. Probably I don't know ten feet. At least 10 feet to the side, out of its out of its zone. I, so I swore he was coming. He was going to hit it. Oh, he was, he was after it. He was after it. I, he was all fired I, up. I, I swung this Joe fly probably 50 fucking times. <laughs> but, you know, every every third or fourth time, I would get it like an inch and a half off his face. And it would just piss him off. And he would come flying at it. Or she, whatever it was. And it, 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 it's an it. It's an it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Them,
0: them would come flying at it yeah,
1: they would come flying at it. <laughs> well, it it comes out of its you know its zone and man it it follows real far and then it, it turned back away like it didn't want to fall anymore and then it turns back around and fires back at it like as like as it was and i'm like i was you know jace is yelling he's making a ruckus and you know oh my god it's gonna
2: eat it, it's gonna eat it
0: you know you could have caught that fish if you had a trout magnet on I don't know. 100. I mean, if it's that fired up, you could have caught it with a trout magnet. It was hard to
1: cast you, though. it though. Out there, like, it would. I, I would have had a hard time catching like an angle, and I probably could have. But Frank, because Frank put on a, he said the hell with it. He just put on millworms.
0: So he was throwing bait. Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Frank was
1: throwing bait, and Frank was probably caught like seven of them right there on bait, <laughs> and he hooked that palomino, one of them, <laughs> with a millworm. So, He said it was it was fun. We had fun. All hanging out. You know, Jace well took a walk and looked at the creek and reminisced about old days and old times and caught some fish and then that was about it and then went down to uh we we finished the day with my uh brother in law and his my nephews. Uh back down at the mentored youth day spot.
0: Okay. Did and uh did the kids catch any more?
1: Yeah. My young my dad got like three more down there. And uh he you know, all the boys are reeling. I'm mean, my dad, just hanging out with my dad. I walked down through and caught another two walking down. So, that's about it, man. And I I, I didn't put my waders on. I only wore my uh, my muck boots. As you should on a first day of trout. Well, no, no, no. I mean, in the morning, I wore my waders because it was freezing cold. But, like, in the evening when I was just down there at the Little Creek, uh-huh. I just wore my muck boots. and Could you cross? Well, I did, yes. And then I... You know you uh, I wear waders pretty often you know we wear waders all winter when we're fishing so you don't think about it. So I'm standing in the water and I'm like I'm crossing this spot with like a bunch of rocks across I like got almost like a natural little roll over there and uh, oh man, don't I, I go over my waders not even not even thinking about it Your I go, muck boots I go over the my muck boots and I'm like they just start filling up and I'm like oh shit oh God, oh don't, I didn't think about it. So I got wet feet, wet legs, but that was all right. It was pretty warm that day. At, At me- that point.
0: I remember doing that like every first day of trout with hip waders.
1: Mm. Yeah, hip waders never stayed dry. No, they
0: n- you never didn't fill them up.
1: No, no. And, you know, water, I don't ever remember water being this low no. this time of year.
0: No, it's always blown out this time of year. But
1: yeah, we're always bitching about not getting to fish our river till about June or August. Yeah. So.
0: But, I don't know, hopefully it turns around.
1: Well, let's just take a little bit of rain.
0: Just a little. Where's happy mediums at? <laughs> There's none of them anymore, man. So, um, my cousins from Erie came down yeah, uh Friday night. And I was like, Hey Chris, your boy, he just got a computer, he's been cooped up in his bedroom for like three weeks, playing on a new computer, he only comes out to eat and drink. I said, Come come on down and we'll uh we'll go we'll go fish for a day. You know? I love my cousin Chris. We don't get to see each other enough. And it's the guy who took it to my, took me to my first concert. Very yeah. cool dude. Took me to my first one, too. It was like one concert before you went to yours. But <clears throat> they came down and Chris doesn't fish much anymore. And Aiden doesn't fish much at all. So the day before, I was like, all right, well, I stopped at Walmart because I needed to get some new life jackets. I was like, well, while I'm here. I grabbed a couple of Rapalas, grabbed a couple of the... Uh, the Walmart brand Rapala looking things, and I grabbed two spinner baits. I was like, oh, "Spinner baits." So we fished Rapalas till probably eleven o'clock in the morning, without a sighting of a fish. Nothing, not a nibble, not a bump, not a. Uh, we we had a bunch of snags, and that was it. And then uh, eleven o'clock. What kind of what kind of Rapalas? What were they? Uh, they were like six inch um i think they were number 12s hmm. uh suspending nice. in like a all or a clown color hmm. they had the chartreuse back with the the red mm-hmm. face mm-hmm. and the in the shiny silver belly um we put these spinner baits on i bought two different spinner baits from walmart one was a booyah and one was a strike king the Booya, the blade spun so good on it didn't touch a fish the Strike King, the blades, like, they would hang up every once in a while and not spin. Caught three fish. Four fish.
2: Hmm.
0: I So, I know in future, I, Aiden was fishing with the Booyah, so I, that's probably why he's having issues casting. But that's probably why that Lord didn't catch any fish. But I know going forward, I'm going to be buying Booyahs instead of Strike Kings. You know, you moving forward? Moving forward. Because, <laughs> uh... Like I said, it, it fished a lot better than the, the Stray King did, but the Strike King caught more fish. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Put that spinnerbait on, found a pile of rocks. I said, hey, Chris, cast that spinnerbait right at the rocks. He's like, oh, there's one. It was probably a 14-inch fish, fat. Its mouth and gullet were full of crayfish. Oh, really? Crayfish parts. Hmm. So I was like, oh, Chris, I think we might have messed up by He's like, why? Or well, you just caught a fish. I was like, yeah, I know. Did you see what was in its mouth? Crayfish. I said, we would have had tube, tube jigs. We would have caught 30 of them by now, I bet, hmm. instead of one. And then he caught two more dinks, which was pretty cool. We went, bent the rod. They they weren't, like, all at the same spot either, so they were spaced out. And then he's like, I want to try rowing a boat. I said, okay. So I I got up front, and I start casting a little bit. And there was a loop in the, the line in the spinning reel. So I cast the spinnerbait out. I pulled the line out, and the spinnerbait fell to the bottom. I finally got the, the knot figured out, reeled up. Boom, there's a fish. It, was, it ate it off the bottom. Hmm. So I think a jigging pig or a tube jig, yeah, something like, something like that would have been a better option than something more uh, aggressive like we were throwing. Like I said, I that fly that I caught this pike and swum mouth with, I threw it like twenty feet up in a tree. Oh, so pissed. <laughs> Did you throw flies at all or was it all gear? I, I threw flies I threw that fly until I broke it off and I took no more flies with me. <laughs> I only had one fly rod and one fly. So but like I said, it wasn't about me that day. It was about them and I like taking people fly fishing, but if they don't fly fish and they want to get outside and have fun for a day i'm not above throwing spinning gear for for smallmouth you know oh no no I mean, absolutely throw spinning not spinning gear for anything it doesn't matter to me <laughs> so. the hell's the difference it's it's just having a good time exactly
1: especially if the people if the people don't do it i mean what's the point yeah and beating you know i mean if they want to learn and if that's what their like objective is for the day then that's yes it? that's different but <laughs> if they just want to go fishing and hey just let's
0: have fun i'm I'm one hundred percent with you. have you noticed how many of these flies that Pat sent us have had mono loops in in the eyes of the flies already? yeah <laughs> they're time test- or river tested river approved
1: hopefully they weren't the ones that didn't swim right.
0: <laughs>
1: how else do you get rid
0: of them? <laughs> you send them to your buddies on air <laughs> so we do have a guest tonight, yeah, our good buddy uh Dan Frazier's coming on. And he's going to talk about, he got a couple trips planned this year. Um, Going to a couple different locations, fishing for different types of fish. And we're going to, you know, just rap a little bit about. What? He doesn't only carp fish? I know. I thought he shunned all trout and uh, game fish as well. I thought he just liked them big, ugly fish
1: with stupid sucker faces.
0: Oh, speaking of those big, stupid fish with ugly sucker faces. I have the pond across the street from my house. Mm Mm-hmm. Twice this week, I made a cast at a carp. The carp moved, made a move on my fly. And it was so muddy that I couldn't see the carp or the fly. And I just, I gave it a waiting game. Didn't see anything. So I set the hook, just into nothing, you know. And then you'd see the fish spook off. So it was sitting over the fly, I think. But it's just, it's hard when you can't see them. Oh, this fly right here, Jay. This fly right here Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm It's What What material is that? That's uh, the finesse The finesse chenille? I think so Just on a 26 degree hook In a Some sort of tungsten bead or something That's gonna swim good Mm-hmm Yeah gonna be in a striper's mouth Oh, that's gonna be in every smallmouth's mouth That too? Dude, That that's oh, What is that? That's a sluggo Right there. <laughs> That's a good taper, too, Pat. Woo-wee! So, what do you think? You want to take a break and uh, give Dan a call? Sounds good. Or you want to talk about today's float? How long do we got to call Dan? We got half an hour. Half hour? I can get it done in about 35 seconds. Okay. Let's, let's do that. Let's let's get that all out of the way, and then, uh, then we'll give Dan a call and let him finish the show out with us.
1: Sounds good. Went on a float today.
0: PJ called me. Asked me if we wanted to go
1: uh, to the... To our usual trout spot i said i want to try a different trout spot he said i never tried that spot let's go I said hopefully you know mother- pj he's a good egg yeah i said hey maybe there's uh you know might be a couple other bycatch here you know might catch some small mouth maybe a uh, a lunge if we're lucky so we took the 11 weight we took all kinds of different rods sevens and fives and this is and all these and all kinds of different shit all kinds of different f- setups and Floating lines with long leaders for weighted flies and sinking lines for swim flies and this and this and that and um, actually, uh, if we could if we could get some of these off of here, I could show you the only fly that caught a fish and uh, it was tied by one of the uh, out of the guest box. Was it? Yes oh, cool. I fucking promise you I stole it uh, a couple weeks ago. Nah, uh, uh, it was a little... There's another one in, it, ju- in here just like it. It wasn't that D&D
0: that you've been taking or talking about taking? No, no, that's still sitting
1: right there. Uh, oh, I can't remember who the hell it was tied from. Uh, nope, that's a zoo cougar. Um, Jesus. It was a... Uh, Did it have a deer hair head? It, yeah, it was a drunken disorderly with a wave tail. Oh, that...
0: Um Zach tied that.
1: Okay, Zach Buchanan, right? Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Zach. That caught a, a trout came out of it, out the woodwork to try to eat that fly, and then it missed it. Dad put it back down there again, and kaboom. So it was only like a 14-inch rainbow, stocked rainbow trout, no big deal, but, hey, but it was still fun.
0: It cut the skunk off the boat for the yeah,
1: day. Yeah, yeah, it did, and thanks for the fly. It was the only fly that worked. <laughs> so, <laughs> worked
0: better than anything we tied, right? Yep,
1: it did. It worked good. I, uh, I was looking through some stuff. Dad kept snagging up on the bottom, snagging up on the bottom, and I'm like, "Throw this on. It has some, <clears throat> it has a real dense
0: deer hair head. Yeah, but, and uh, but also relatively big lead dumbbell eyes to counteract counteract that head. But they seem to, they don't just
1: dive right to the bottom no. and and just get snagged. So
0: yeah, it, it counteracts the deer hair head. Yeah, so, so it's kind of buoyant.
1: Yeah, it swims well. So so put this on. Try this. So. He did that and ended up working there. And then, so we were like, oh, okay, here we go. Okay. You know, a few fish, saw a few fish getting caught by a guy and thing right at the put in and all right, you know, and a couple other trouty guys around, you know, and we're like, okay. And, and there was nothing. We didn't see another fish the rest of the day. That stretch is beautiful though, isn't it? It was gorgeous. And it was so much fun the row. It is. Oh. It was
0: fun. Okay. It, I'm sure it was lower than when I did it. Oh yeah. And. It was relatively uh, technical when I did it. It was pretty damn technical. Yeah, I'm sure it would be.
1: It was fun, though. It was a lot of fun. Nobody messed anything up. Nobody, you know... Nobody lost rods? No. Dad and PJ rode fine. Cool. It was was fun. uh, Only thing missing from the float... Was fish. Was fish. You know, the sandwiches, the fun, the hooting, hollering, you know, the good times were there. The, You know, everything to... Walking up a few side streams and taking some pretty beautiful pictures of waterfalls and shit. All, all the fun stuff. Crayfish and, uh, sculpins underneath rocks. We are picking up rocks. I found, uh, the biggest, uh, what was it? Not a mayfly, uh. Stonefly? Yeah, big old, big stonefly. Uh, like, uh, just the exoskeleton. Like, the, you know, after the sho- the, the The shuck. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, it's like inch and a half at least. Big. So that was fun. Now, other than that, yeah, just
0: just a good time out in the water. Alright, well I'm gonna change subjects for just a minute. You said something about hooting and hollering. hmm I was out looking for a – just walking around the woods today, looking mushroom spots, seeing what's going on in the woods. Mm-hmm. The may apples are popping. I found a devil's urn. Um And then my neighbor started shooting a shotgun. must be signing in for turkey season, just seeing how it groups, you know. And every time he would shoot that shotgun, a turkey back where I was, I was back in the woods, would gobble. He was getting the shot gobble. And where he was, he couldn't hear it. So he'd go,
3: boom!
0: (laughs) And I could hear the turkey getting closer to me. So I kind of just sat there, and I was like, yeah, I don't have all day. not to this. I <laughs> took off, but it was cool. I heard that thing gobble probably four times. I, uh,
1: I'm. I saw one this morning as oh. we were putting in, right on that road. Or mm-hmm. oh, no, we were actually dropping at the takeoff. We were dropping a truck off at the takeoff first thing this morning. Right across the street, there's one. I mean, literally, like he was thirty feet from us, <laughs> and I'm like doing my worst. You know, doing my worst call ever. You know. Like I, I do. That's, I, I try calling him. he like,
0: oh, oh, oh. Like, he's gonna think That's a retarded hand. Yeah. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. That's what this one looked, turned, looked at me and was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> so, Bye See you dudes. But, uh, yeah, I saw one working this past week again, uh, out in the back of, uh, one of our buddies from high school, his dad, uh, old Joe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we were out there and saw him cross his backyard. Uh, yeah, I've been talking to him. He just took up fly fishing too. I told him if he ever oh, wants he? to jump on the raft and right, float down the river with me. It's more than welcome, so
0: I saw he's on that, that Facebook page I'm on. MBJW fishing. Oh, is he? <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> Good body of ours. I so I don't know if I talked about it on here. I'm pretty much gonna take up uh, you know, trying to learn to shoot a bow here.
0: Yeah, Bruce said you've been saying you're the best archer in the face of the planet. Oh, I'm gonna be. That has ever been on the face oh, of the planet. I, yeah, Rodney I, White can suck a dick. Oh yeah, dude. Oh <laughs> <laughs> so I went to my I went to my brother in law's last week. This is a good story. This is probably
1: stupid. I even picked up a fucking bow at this point, you know. I'm fucking staggering. And uh Dude, I blow this fucking arrow up in this cement wall in his basement to shoot in his basement at targets. Oh, he was shooting just fine. Oh, they were all great. <laughs> Not Jay. Not Jay. Not yet. So,
0: Jay, here, you try. Give it a whirl, bud. Yeah. Go for
1: it, dude. <laughs> Where the
0: fuck do I knock this thing at? You vaporize an arrow, don't block wall. <laughs>
1: it just fucking so mashed. Oh, he ended up cutting it down and gave it to his son because he bought his son like a little you know kid's bone and arrow. He's better than me already, so all this should be fun. But you know, it's it. I think him and I are gonna sit sit around shoot once a week, maybe hang out, drink a beer or two. Not 18. <laughs> not, not, yeah, not not all that you can get your hands on. Um. So the last drop is gone. Uh, Yeah, that was that was fun. That was fun. I'm I'm pumped to get out turkey hunting this year. If I have some. You're not taking a bow out for that, are you? Fuck no. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) I'll be lucky to hit with a goddamn shotgun. Jeez. Nice. We'll take the old 12 gauge with the three and a half inch turkey load, dude. Right? I'm
0: with you on that. Peel one
1: of their heads off, man. I'm not playing around. But it that's a that's a cool thing. I I really enjoy that and getting the experience. You know the just the calling back with the birds and it's so just awesome. Awesome time. Worst thing I'm things I'm looking forward to at least is ticks.
0: I had Ash go down to Dollar General and buy me some Deep Woods off. I said, give me the stuff that has the most deep content in it. Look into that Permethan, though, for real. You you spray it on your clothes. And then you just hang your clothes outside. You said you
1: you, you put yourself in a closed, very closed area, in area and spray your clothes off?
0: Yeah, you spray it on you while you're wearing your clothes. Okay. Don't do that, people. Dude, Dude don't do that. <laughs> I sprayed it on my clothes and waited like 15 minutes and put it on, and I got stoned, man. <laughs> See, Chad was still high. I, I'm still high from <clears probably>. it. <throat> and that was last year. Uh,
1: yeah, other than that, I. Um, Just going to go. Like I said, I'm going to check on our friends on Wednesday. I can't wait on that. That should be fun. I think Pops is going to tag along and maybe the kid from work. uh, He showed me the eight, nine weight he has today and he's never tried it. And I said, if you tell anybody about this, I'm going to kill you. I will push you off a goddamn roof next time we're on one. I'm not, ju- and I'm not fucking joking. You see that nail gun? It slipped. <laughs> Hope you don't play that shit. So, as long as you keep a secret, bud, we're all good, and you can come out fishing whenever you'd like. So that should be a good time too. Sounds
0: good, man. Hey, I don't. And you
1: should join me too if you're not busy. Oh, you have, you have-
0: I don't know if I have baseball or not. We don't have a set schedule. It, it's so weird. Uh, like just they tell us hey we'll be doing monday wednesday friday or monday tuesday thursday or you know i i don't know what my schedule is like this week i know i have it tomorrow i have baseball tomorrow which baseball's been pretty cool i uh i sit on the the hillside and drink soda pops with good buddy of ours hmm. we both fill up our yeti cups with soda pops and (laughs) sit there and make fun of the coach. His line drives at the kids. <laughs> 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 Who's the coach? Ricky White. Ricky White. He's, he's oh, du- oh, yeah. <clears throat> he's the dude who puts on the fireworks downtown.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was my coach. He was my uh, coach with the Tigers. It was him and Doug Fetty. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely was. Yep. Oh, yeah. So He's a great baseball coach. Great he, guy.
0: He did a very good job transitioning up from T-ball to, to minor leagues this year. Yeah. So.
1: That's Rye. Rye Actually, she, we, you know, she tried the soccer. She really wasn't a soccer yeah, she player. She did dig that. No. Um, softball, she's really taking to it, I guess. She, she likes it. Yeah. And like everybody said, she's doing really well. She's excelling quickly, quicker than most. Cause I think she's a little like some of the girls are a little bit younger even yet. They're probably like, started last year. It would have been her, you know, the COVID year basically for us. So, Seems to be getting into it really quick, and she's not afraid of the ball anymore, blah, blah, blah. She's, they had her at shortstop the last time I was there, so, or in the short area. So,
0: Yeah, good deal, man. Yeah, so
1: but She seems to like it a lot more than—there's uh, too much running in soccer. I said, you'll love softball then. Yeah. You stand there, kick the dirt around, and wait for the ball to not hit you in the face. She likes swinging. I like swinging at the base, or I like swinging at the ball. We had her watching some softball and some baseball just to get the gist of the game too.
0: I don't know, like if you did that with Nolan or no, no, no. I just fed them to the wolves. <laughs> we were standing here's up, the coach. We were standing up on the uh, on the uh, the hill watching, and Brand was like, "Chad, Nolan's up batting. I said, he's not batting. He's swinging. <laughs> <laughs> Chop at it. Chop at it." So speaking of that, uh, we might have a little bit of programming. Changes coming up late, sometime. Because I'm not getting, I'm missing my boys' football game right now. So we we might start recording on a different night or doing something different. But we're gonna continue to have the same great pro, uh, programming. Just might drop on a different day of the week or something. Or I could still drop it on Sundays. We're I just guess. gonna
1: drop it on Sunday nights anyway. Yeah.
0: So I'll do that after football. It's
1: a good Monday morning commute.
0: It is a good Monday morning commute. I've never listened to it, but. <laughs> i have my own monday shows I, I don't listen to it either but you know i can't I'm, listen to myself i'm sure
1: for somebody else to listen to our stupid ass it's wonderful on a monday morning yeah at so. least they can know they're doing something better than us degenerates
0: oh obviously everyone we talk to catches way more fish than us oh, that's <laughs> apparent couldn't fucking buy a fish today so hey on that note i say we get on out of here and give a uh, old dan frazier a call what do you think jay
1: Big thumbs up. I was drinking beer. Sorry.
0: But
2: you don't have to call me darling.
1: Darling.
0: You
2: never even call me by my
0: name. And we are back with Dan Frazier. What's going on, buddy? It's good to talk to you again.
3: What's up, boys? How we doing? Oh,
0: it's good tonight. We're running a skeleton crew. Just, uh. We figured Jay and I could handle t- talking with you.
3: <laughs> yeah, there's only so much freaking air space, and when you get all of us, you know, I take up too much room, so it makes sense just for me and you and Jay.
0: I know. Jay's nose breathes in way too much air. <laughs> yeah, it gets a little thin in here when we have four of us.
3: That's not good. Well, you That's don't, not good. You Jay, don't, how you doing, buddy?
1: You don't fish for musky or stand on ice, do
3: you? Uh, I do fish. Well, uh, I have fished for musky, and I, but I do not stand on ice. So
1: well, and the they, other two guys don't Yeah. They're, yeah, they're irrelevant yeah, then. Exactly. <laughs> I don't fish for carp very often. Uh, probably, um, in the last three years, uh, never. So, you
3: know, but. well, it's good. It's always nice to have something in common,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but we both are going to South Carolina.
3: Oh I, yeah. That's good.
0: Have, uh, have you been out carp fishing yet this year, Dan?
3: <laughs> yeah. Twice. Um, and, uh, you know, we are uh, – I don't know how it is for you guys there, but we are like, oh, gosh, a month, month and a half ahead of uh, uh, normal weather patterns this year.
0: Yeah, we're about so to it's, same. It's,
3: it's like mid mayish the weather is here. And so um, I went out – normally I, I would struggle, but I'd get a few in April and it would be in small water. But I went out to some of my, some of my big water flats thinking that they might be up in – and moving and they were fish on the flats but they were just kind of milling around like they were as confused as i was with the (laughs) warm weather and stuff and and so i kind of botched a few and were a little rusty and haven't put any in the net yet but uh but i know where they are i just got to get out after them
0: yeah man i've i've been just about the same way i lucked into one and i've botched about four four fish like that should have came to hand
3: yeah, that's. I was standing there thinking, I I don't know what what to do next, and uh, because I should have caught that fish, and I just you know missed cast, bad presentation, took a fly away from a fish, had some that just refused to eat that I thought you know normally would have eaten, or seems like they normally would have eaten. I, I don't know. So yeah, I have gotten out a little bit, but uh, I, I'm just ready to really heat the season up. I got my boat out a for a month ahead of schedule, but I got it out. Just got it out this weekend, and and uh, um, should be ready to really get after him in the next couple of days. I hope.
0: Man, that's cool. I, I'm sure people still give you sideways looks when you go to get gas and stuff out in Sodak with, uh, with
3: it, the flashboat. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. I get the strangest comments and looks, and and uh, actually this year, so I went out. You know, it gets awfully cold in South Dakota. My boat is—I is, put it in storage for the winter, but it's not a temperature controlled. It's just—it's just you know—it's in a, a storage unit. But uh,
0: it just keeps snow off of it.
3: Yeah, exactly. And so, so but I, I winterize it; and it should be fine. But I went out this year, and there was a a little puddle of uh, some kind of uh, lubricant, some kind of fluid underneath it. So, I hemmed and hawed for about a month trying to figure out what it is and figure out if I could if I could do it myself. Call it all all the guys I know who own flats boats and, and uh, came to the conclusion that it appeared to be power steering or it appeared to be a hydraulic fluid for the, for the power steering. And so I thought, okay, um, that can't be too hard to, to fill, but I got to reading how to do it myself and it was going to take two people and, and all this stuff. So I thought, well, I'll just haul this in, I'll just haul this into the, uh, we got a couple of marinas here that work on boats. And so I called, uh, I called one of them and I explained to him, you know, what was going on. And he said, okay, good. And he said, what kind of boat is it? And I, I told him and he asked me to repeat it. And I told him again, <laughs> and, and then he looked it up on uh, he Googled it and they got back on the phone and he said, well, you can bring it here, but I can't guarantee we can work on it. I've never seen a boat like that before. And I was like, okay, uh, I'll call the other guys. So I called the other guys and they said, yeah, it's a 70 horse Yamaha. We can work on it. Bring it in. So I brought it in and uh i drop and i said i think it's the power you know i think it's the steering hydraulics but i'm not you know i you know as more about boats than i do he said well where was the puddle and i said you know it had it had run down the the um uh the, the motor and drift off the lower unit but it's not where it originated and just judging by the fluid this is what i think it was he said nope definitely not that for sure not that must be something else probably your your uh, um Probably your tilt, your hydraulics for your tilt. I said, okay, well, whatever. You you you're the man. You work on it and let me know. Two weeks later, I get a call and they say your boat's done. And I I said, well, okay, what was wrong with it? And he said, well, we uh, you know we checked the tilt and it wasn't that. And so I checked the lower unit and did pressure test on all that and the gear loop and everything and it wasn't that either. So to come pick it up. I said, well, so it was <laughs> so, all you told me was a couple things. It wasn't did, did, what did you ever figure out what it was? Nope. Don't know what it was. I said, well, did you check the hydraulics from the, from the steering? And he said, no. And I said that what shit? I mean, there's, it's gotta be something. And he said, no, steer, we didn't check that. And I said, well, can you check it and see if it's that? And he said, no, it's not that it can't be that it wouldn't have dripped there. I said okay, but it's something, and it did drip out. And he was like, "Yeah, no, we couldn't find it." I said, "Oh, are you telling me you're done?" And he's like, "Yep." Said,
2: okay, <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right. So I went and picked it up and drove it home. And I'm gonna have to figure out how to put the uh, 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 hydraulic polluted myself, I guess, because uh, he was done. He was he had done what he was gonna do. He didn't couldn't identify the problem. Chose not to check what I thought it was. And, uh, and told me to come get it. Charged me 269 bucks.
0: I was going to say, you obviously didn't pay him if he didn't fix anything, correct?
3: Well, he did do a couple of things that I did need fixed. I needed a switch replaced and stuff, okay. so he did a couple did that. So I paid him for that piece. Okay. I got a new one. Yeah, so so <clears throat> it, it, it was not a complete waste of time, but it's just kind of a mild waste of time. But I kind of thought, okay, I understand not checking what I thought it was, As your first thing, but once you've checked everything else, wouldn't you? I don't understand. It's pride. <laughs> At this point, it's pride. Yeah,
0: you know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... if
3: you if you guys see a boat in South Dakota just driving in a circle because the guy can't turn the steering wheel, that'd be that's probably mine. Go help just Dan come, out. Come save me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's where the boat story is. But I'm going to put it in. I think maybe uh, probably tomorrow, and and uh, and give it a little test run and just make sure that everything's functional, and then. Um, I got some buddies who will come help me get some fluid put in there, and then we'll be rocking and rolling because it's warm, man, and you know sixty degrees and sunny. It's it's unbelievably warm for this time of year right now. We used to get a blizzard in April.
0: Yeah, I know. I remember talking to you before, and it was snow and what in May. It seemed it seemed like.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's very frequent. I mean, my birthday is May fifth, and uh, and as a kid, I used to get snow on my birthday. I mean, probably, I probably, I just don't pay as much attention to my birthday now. But I remember specifically as a kid, because I'd get like a bike for my birthday and there'd be six inches of snow on the ground.
0: You make a it snow like, ramp whip for it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks
3: God. Now I have to just sit here, stare at my new bike and wait for the snow to melt.
0: Sit on it in the mudroom and try to <laughs> yeah. try to do stationary bunny hops.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're up, at we're up ahead of schedule, but, um, so I, you know, ready to get out. It's been, it's been uh, uh, with, with with it being this warm and sunny, even though the water hadn't warmed up yet because we still were getting ice off, it uh, I felt like I was wasting time not not being out there. So I'm I'm ready to go.
0: Yeah, man. So speaking of being ready to go, you got a couple of trips planned for this year, and uh, we kind of talked a little bit off air about seeing how you're preparing because these different trips that you're going on are nothing alike one another.
3: Yeah. Yeah. There I I'm going to, I've got, so Corona piled up all my cool trips into one year. Right. I, some of these were supposed to be last year. Some of these are new on the books. And so, um, so having them all overlap is kind of, it's kind of crazy, but I, um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be flying to Tennessee here in a few weeks, couple weeks. And, uh, I'm landing in Tri-Cities, which I just looked on the map, and it is northwest of Knoxville. Um, And then I'm going to fish with – I'm meeting a buddy up there um, uh, who's a a redfish guide from South Carolina is driving up. We're going to meet up there and fish for trout and and maybe some smallmouth if we can make that happen. Uh, We've gotten conflicting reports on on that. Um, And then we'll uh, drive down to the coast – and, uh, and fish for redfish for a couple of days in, uh, in, um, out of Beaufort, north of Savannah, um, w- in the marsh there, which is one of my favorite things in the world to do. Um, and then I'll come back and then she's, Oh, uh, five weeks later, five weeks. Yeah. Something like that. I'm, uh, I'm driving to in Montana for a week on, uh, the, big hole and uh and the beaver head, uh fishing for for browns so it could be a big year for different numbers of species for me this year and the number one thing i'm doing to prepare is i have in my possession a collection of broken rods <laughs> that uh over the years i've broken things on and then have put them aside and swore i was going to ship them back as soon as i got a chance and haven't shipped them back so i spent the day uh a couple of days ago uh, calling companies, getting shipping labels sent to me, getting them, and so that I can get them all printed off and and, and get them replaced. So that's a big part of it. How uh, big?
0: How big's your pile of broken rods?
3: Uh, I got three broken rods right now. the two that I'm getting sent back, are, I got I got a couple of uh, Orvis Helios Zero Gravity. Not the Helios Two, but the the one the Helios One okay. that I just absolutely adore those rods and i broke my five weight and my seven weight uh last year in the fall and then i got real busy with hunting season and stuff and and didn't didn't get them all didn't get them all sent in so now the seven and the five is going back and uh this is the part of rod repair or replacement where you pray that they can't actually fix your 10 year old rods and that instead they're going to send you an h3
0: yep i hear you because i got a an Orvis Access that needs to go back. <laughs> and they quit making those, I think, seven years ago.
3: I recently sent an Access back. I'll tell you what they're going to do. They're, they're going to either, if they don't have a replacement part, they're going to say, we can replace it with XYZ rod, or if you want to upgrade, we send you an, H, an H3, H and you maybe have a $50 upgrade fee or something like that.
0: Really? Uh, is that, that relatively is cheap?
3: I can't remember for sure. I know my brother did it recently. Actually, that you kid
0: you told us that story didn't you break the rod
3: yeah yeah i turned (laughs) i turned his i turned his rod yeah he jerk i broke his rod or did i lose it i don't know i did something to one of his rods and and, uh his axis rod and somehow he turned it into a he turned it into an h3 so he owes me
0: lucky dog and didn't you say he got (laughs) he got monogrammed or something
3: yeah so he has that's that's exactly it he has a he has it monogrammed okay so he has a rod that he calls narsil because he he and like myself is a big nerd and we we enjoy the lord of the rings uh books and narsil was the um the uh uh the sword that was broken and reforged <laughs> by the elves Oh my god I can't believe I'm saying this um, I know
1: what you're talking about man I know uh, what you're talking about
3: So my brother's rod was broken And uh, and and repaired by Orvis So he named it Narsil And then they, they, they monogrammed it for him <laughs>
0: oh, They're like Fucking nerd. Is <laughs> <mind>? <laughs> yeah. I know you. I just know somebody who's like,
3: I'm not doing this. No. <laughs> Someone else is going to have to do this. He refers to it by name, too. which
1: What the hell is like, like, I'm going to
3: Florida, and I think I'm going to try some fishing. Can I bring Narcel? And for a second, I'm like, who the hell? Oh, wait a second. He's talking about his fishing pole.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, my. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so it's time Flies. <laughs> And, uh, um, with the, the trip to, to Tennessee and South Carolina, there's not much for me to do because, uh, we'll be going with guys that know what they're doing and I'm just going to show up and fish their gear and, and, um, uh, and, uh, you know, do what they tell me. But for the Montana trip, I'm going, with my buddy, Mike Dvorak, who grew up out there and, um, and that's a DIY situation. So, We've spent countless hours talking about, well, if the water's high, we'll do this. If it's not high, we'll do that. We should hit this upper stretch and a lot of time on the, on the, um, you know, onyx and stuff because while Mike grew up out there, the, you know, land ownership has changed in some places and stuff. So making sure our access is figured out. The whole goal on that trip is really to try to hit the salmon fly hatch, and that's a real skittish hatch to try to hit and you're trying to you're flirting with uh with um, runoff and so you know we could get there and everything could be blown out and we could be fishing some of the high mountain lakes or, or small streams up high so if none of this even really matters and we don't have to be thinking about it but you know 90 percent of the fun is getting on the phone and starting to run through the scenarios and talk about oh I want to make sure we do this and what about that and so we've done a bunch of that and and then that's spinning flies trying to get uh Try to get my fly box. I'll get it full of a bunch of things that I won't fish because then when I get there, I'll go to a local fly shop and end up buying a bunch of whatever flies they tell me to and fishing those anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I hear you, man. And how do you mix in tying your flies to get ready for that trip and still supplementing your carp box and getting ready for Lake Michigan and
3: all the other? Oh, shit. I forgot about Lake Michigan's coming up, too. I got a bunch of those that I've been tying it's uh well a it's nice because I get bored easily with one pattern. I can't sit down and tie like four dozen flies in the same pattern. I just I get bored. So I'll tie a few of these and a few of those and some of these and some of those and uh, um and that helps a little bit. I have I have to I'll have to send you guys some pictures. A few years ago, uh, I don't even know how this occurred, but a buddy of mine, Kip V. Yeah. Um, who's a musky and, and
0: he wrote the uh, muskie book, mouse. right?
3: Yep. 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 He's a guide out of Minnesota, a musky and smallie guide out of Minnesota. Great guy. But Kip and I were at a show together and, uh, Kip said, Hey, you want to buy this? And it was like a blue, like one of those, you know, big tubs, those plastic coats or whatever. Um, and it was just full to the brim with fly tying materials, just like random thrown in there, no organization, nothing um and he said uh you know uh, the uh, one of my clients um has given up fly fishing and fly tying and so this is all of the stuff he collected over his lifetime and you want to buy it for 400 bucks so i pawed through it a little bit and realized that there was way more than 400 dollars worth of stuff in there so i bought it and uh so i now have my fly tying i have a a I have a, <laughs> I have like a fly shop in my basement where I put up a pegboard and put up a bunch of um, of uh, uh, metal pegs and stuff. And I've got, I mean, I don't know, probably 30 different f- kinds of flash and you know a bunch of bucktails and and I don't know uh, 30 or 40 different hooks and different sizes and stuff. So um, so I uh, you know I'll go down to the to the fly. Material storage area, and say, okay, you know, here's the three flies I want to tie tonight, and then I'll grab all the crap I need and drag them somewhere upstairs or something, and uh, and sit down and tie, you know, half dozen Lake Michigan flies, and put that box away, and then I'll tie, you know, half dozen uh, um, saltwater flies, and I'll put those away, and it it just keeps it, I don't know, keeps me from getting bored, I guess.
0: You're way more organized than me because my fly shop in the basement is every time I go to the fly shop, they give me like a a, sam- a brown paper sandwich bag full of fly time material. And then I just leave it in there and I have like five different brown paper sandwich bags just piled up and they're all full of miscellaneous material. And it's just like it's a grab bag every time I go down. I'm like, oh, what's in here? And shuffle. Yeah. I'm like, I'm kind of like a meth head looking for the rock yeah. to fell on the ground.
3: It's, well, that's—I made it sound like I'm super uh, organized and put together, and that was intentional because one of the part I left out was there was four years between me buying this bin and me actually hanging all this shit up on the wall, where I would literally dump the whole thing out, dig through it, grab a couple things, throw everything back in it, dump the whole thing out, dig through it, grab, it. and uh, finally this spring I was like, um, "All right, this something's got to change," and uh, um, and so I, I got it. It looks great right now. And then the first thing I did, well, first of all, I uh, I took a picture. I sent my I sent uh, one of my buddies a picture who owns a shop that I buy a lot of materials from. And I said I'm never purchasing fly tying materials again. And then two days later, I had to call him and order some zonker strips because of all <laughs> the shit in there, <laughs> of all the stuff that was in there, I didn't have any zonker strips. But um, uh, yeah, it took uh, it took a long time for me to get it organized and it won't stay that way but for now you know that feeling when you like you clean your garage and you get all oh, your yeah. tools put away and you're like holy cow
0: i'm there right awesome. now yeah
3: i'm um, gonna keep it like this forever i'm gonna put everything away the minute i'm done using it this is gonna be great and then you know two weeks later you don't know where the hell your ratchet set is
1: but... i'm like you i tie a lot of different flies you know and i'll maybe tie a nymph here there this or that and you know a streamer here this or that or I just never put anything back. And I don't have, like, you know... <laughs> well, that's a question I got for you guys.
3: Because like, I got this place where my craft's all stored, but I can't actually tie in there. Oh, no. So you guys have... You guys have a dedicated tying room or, like, area that you just leave your leave stuff up and out? Or, or how are you guys doing that?
0: I have, a like, a desk and a, a little bench in the basement where I have a giant pile of shit with all those little sandwich bags full of tying material mm-hmm. and I can't put my vice anywhere near that. It, it won't fit. So I go, <laughs> I go up to the kitchen table or the dining room table and tie there and then leave it there till my wife yells at me. And then I take it back down to the basement on the pile of shit and then just complete the cycle like that.
3: <laughs> yeah. You and me, man, that's, that's exactly how I do it. I, got, I even have now a, like a little, uh, I don't know, like a little bin that I go down to the thing, I grab the shit I need, I throw it in there, I haul it all upstairs, and then I put it on the kitchen table and sit and uh, for a little while, make no. a big mess in the kitchen. It's uh, it's stupid. It's really a bad design. Does, but, uh,
0: does Ella ever yell at you, Dad? Get your crap off the table.
3: Well, yeah, <laughs> she does, and uh, and then Leo, I got to be careful because my my one oh, year old lab Leo is exceedingly interested in the smell of. uh, Feathers and fur and uh, you know, so I he'll 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 be cool, and lay at my feet, and I feel like you know I've got the world the the world by the tail with my black lab sleeping at my feet while I tie flies in the in the kitchen. Um, but then if I get up and go and grab a cup of coffee or something, I'll come back in there and he'll have both paws on the table and a mouthful of uh, of uh, you know zonker strips, and I'll have to go take them all out and, and yeah. lay them back down. So I have to be real careful about getting everything put away that uh, that could require, you know, I don't know, hook removal or or stuff like that. Um,
0: if, if it makes you feel any better, I have a 13-year-old coon hound that still does the same thing. <laughs> you have no idea how many times she shit out chartreuse bucktail in the snow. <laughs> oh, yeah. What dog doesn't like a deer
1: ass, right? No, I don't know how you guys do that. No, I have, a, I have a desk down in my basement where it's like my little man cave area. You know, you got the bar next to me. I got my little walkout so I can... Take my uh, gentlemen's in between when I, you know, uh, glue stuff, letting glue dry. I can go outside. Um, no, I can't leave the basement. I don't know how you guys can put a bin and in, in take it upstairs.
3: You got it. You got it figured out, man. Yeah, you, you got do. it. I've, that's that's what it. I need to do is set up some kind of a tying a station or room. And I realize that's not, you know, rocket science. and I'm not the first person to think about that, but. I have this like indecision problem where I'll be like, well, maybe that room. Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'll figure that out later. And then, you know, six months will go by and I'll be like, well, maybe, maybe upstairs. And then I'll sit there. And so I, yeah, I, but I do need to set up a place to where I could do that.
0: It just sounds like it's, your house is too big. Yeah. <laughs> no,
3: it's not. It's, it, well, it's not that. It's that, well, it, part of the problem is, uh, uh when we, uh, So, you know, it's me and Ella, and she has her bedroom upstairs. There was this little room that would be a perfect tying room, but she wanted a music room. And I was like, all right, we can do that. She plays a lot of instruments, and she sings and all this stuff. So we set this little tying room area, what would be a great tying room area, as her music room. And then, of course, she promptly decided to never, ever, 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 ever use it. Not once since (laughs) we moved in. Right. And so, so uh, what I need to do is tell her we're retiring the music room and haul all that shit out of there and, and set up in that room. Because when I bought the house, I looked at that little, it's like a non-legal bedroom in the basement. It's perfect.
0: Oh, with no windows um, to yeah. escape from.
3: <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, like six by nine or something. I, it's the weirdest little space. Um, but it'd be perfect, a little tying area. And uh, and I just uh, – I got to haul her stuff out and tell her her music career is over. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, sorry, babe. You don't have the chops.
3: That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right.
0: Dad's got yeah, carp it'd, flies
3: tied. It'd be nice to have that set up right. But uh, uh, I don't know. You know, one thing at a time.
0: So I am super interested in this Lake Michigan trip. How many – Zonker flies and bunny leeches and all that crap. Do you guys tie to go to Lake Michigan? Oh my gosh. Um, I've seen the the boxes that John always posts. He's like five six boxes.
3: Yeah. He's probably tied. Oh my gosh. I bet he's tied a hundred flies for that trip. Um, Justin's tied. I don't know. 75, 80. I mean, these guys are nuts right now. Um, I'm I'm uh um I'm a little behind, but I'll tie. Here's the problem. John is a great fisherman, Justin's a great fisherman, Trevor is a great fisherman, and these three guys are also, especially John and Justin, are also wildly competitive. So you can't just go be like, Well, they're not eating olive and I don't have anything else, so I'll just keep fishing olive and I'll have a slow day. You feel like you gotta have everything right because if you need to borrow a fly from John, he'll tell you, "Yeah, I'll sell it to you for twenty-five dollars." <laughs> yeah. So, so, so you end up saying, "What if they're eating light ones? What if they're eating uh, dark ones?" And, and when you plan a trip that's six months out, and you, you know you're looking forward to, to the trip, you end up tying a bunch, but there will be hundreds of flies, and they're trying some all, all kinds. These guys, those two particularly on this trip, have have um uh they're trying a bunch of new experimental flies that they've been wanting to do you know they've been making the trip justin and john have made this trip for like 15 consecutive years or something and uh and trevor and i have been joining uh, last year was the first year we both we both made it so um we're part of a new annual trip and uh um and so john and justin have uh all these ideas for some new experimental flies and they have this history Justin is a uh, a phenomenal fisherman but he's also a phenomenal scientist in real life he's a fisheries biologist or yeah fish uh what something like that and uh I don't want to misquote his, his title I feel terrible but he he works on uh, watershed management for southeast minnesota and uh um So, he comes back with, like, detailed statistics on, like, the water height, how deep the water was, what locations were fishable at that depth, how the fish behavior was. He has all these detailed journals and notes. So, then he will tell us, you know, based on the depth of the water right now, here's where I think the fish are going to be, and that water is going to be about this deep. It'll be knee deep or thigh deep. And then based on that, those guys are like, "Well, I better have some heavier flies, or some lighter flies, or I want to try this other design, or I want to." So they're 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 madmen. They're madmen at this uh, um, uh, at this process, and uh, and that's part of why there's so many flies that are being tied. And then of course, I managed to tie like a dozen and send a picture, and John's like, "Yeah, they won't eat those." all wrong wrong it's like i I caught more big fish than you did last year what are you talking about give them the razor
0: (laughs) so your flies
2: that you
1: use in south dakota won't work out you know you're just not describing you're saying you know it's it's different in each place
3: yeah yeah the 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 flies that we will be fishing on michigan are big um and way bigger than it, that my fish would run from them. And they're, they're heavy and, uh, um, and they're meant to be stripped and, and chased and they look like big bait fish basically. And, um, and so what I normally fish with, it works. And I used some last year when we got fish that were back in like vegetation and stuff areas where it was, it was kind of combat fishing, but out in the open, the good thing about the, uh, the big lake is that, um, those fish will cruise across the rocks out in the open. And, and, uh, and with those, you got to cast a big fly and a long ways and then strip them and get the fish to chase them. And, uh, um, and so my, my traditional flies don't work for that. Um, so, you know, I I get patterns from those guys and tie them up and, and, uh, and what John was saying, those won't work. He was kind of just busting my chops, but, uh, even the difference between, you know, do I tie them with, uh, um, in light colors or dark colors, black or olives or or whites or tans. Um, there are years when, and I don't know why, Justin's got it all all the, the data compiled, but there are years when the lighter flies work better or the smaller flies work better. There are years when the darker flies work better. And I don't know if it's visibility or if the, you know, they're primarily eating gobies, which is a, a, a look like a stulpin basically. Um, I don't know if the sculp Sculpin are real sort of, the, their color variations is is wide based on the bottom structure and things like that, so I don't know if there's some years when the Sculpin are predominantly lighter in color or darker in color or it's the contrast with the bottom or what, but but yeah, uh, but yeah so I when I spun some up in some I thought they looked great. They were like a two-tone Zonker, like a, a dark, a, a, a kind of a tannish Zonker with the gold tips and Oh, they look real sexy. John was like, "Yeah, those will work great if they're eating light flies, but last few years they haven't eaten anything light. I've only eaten dark ones." It's like great. So throw these out.
0: This may sound stupid, but is that a factor of they're not eating light color flies because John is throwing dark color flies at them?
3: So that's the that's the, always the the um, the question, right? It, it could very well be. It could be that. Uh, it's just a confidence factor, you know, that you're like, well, I, I, these olives feel great this year and I got my first two eats on them. So that's all I'm going to fish. or yeah, I'll try a lighter one. And then the first time you get a refusal, you're like, screw it. You cut it off and go back to the olive. You know, it could be that or or it could be something with the food source. It's really difficult to, to discern. So what I'll do is try to have a a wide variety. um, And, uh, and then, you know, bring a lot of ones so I can buy them off of John. (laughs) Bring a bunch of singles, make it rain.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Tell Johnny Barry, get a garter belt. (laughs) That's right. right.
3: Um, Yeah. It's, uh, and then, and then, you know, there's also, I mean, those are just the, the, the Zonker strip style ones. There's, you Know there's a lot of ways to tie flies, and and uh, and you know, there's a lot of different variations that are being tied that I don't know if they'll work or not, but they probably will. Just as tying some really unique ones with some long tails, I actually took some Puglisi uh, fibers and then did a like a um, uh, like an Everglades, Puglisi Everglades sort of style where you pack it and then trim it. Only instead of trimming it um, uh, uh, flat and and, and uh, vertical like a <laughs> like an Everglades fly, I tied it. I packed it um, uh, flat and horizontal, uh, shape try to shape like a sculpin or or, a, or a goby, um, and put some weight in the front. And so you know, we're trying a bunch of new new kinds of stuff like that too. We'll see, see if it makes a difference. And then there are different situations. So that's the biggest problem is some of the year not problem but a variable some of the years you're you're fishing uh fish that are way back in like vegetation and soft bottoms and it's just a lot like fishing back home you know getting in close and dapping fish and things like that some of the times they're out in knee deep water moving across the the rocks and you're casting sort of moderately weighted flies getting them down in front of them and stripping them and and then sometimes they you know One of the places where we were um, last year, we were posted up on these sort of rock shelves and and the the bottom of the lake fell away like 30 or 40 feet right at the edge of the shelves. And the fish were kind of kind of uh, along the shelf and then underneath and in between. And so you had to get some really heavy weight. They weren't on the bottom. They were nine or ten feet down, but you had to get, you know, have some sparsely tied heavily weighted flies that you could really kind of dive bomb to them. So it just also could be situational, you know, uh, uh, on, uh, where you find them, which, which fly you're going to want to fish. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not a cut and dried, I mean, Lake Michigan carp are, uh, they're a little easier to get to eat if you get them in the right circumstances, but it's, you know, they're, they're not always in those circumstances. So, so we'll, uh, uh, you got to have a lot of different variation in your fly boxes. And then, you know, haul, I'll be driving out probably. Oh, I don't know. I'll probably fly this year. I don't know what I'm doing, but, um, you know, haul of ice with you too, Because at night back in the, in the a house, it, you know, it could be that there's a certain thing that you, you can't, you can't, uh, live without, um, and I bring scissors with me so I can immediately start trimming stuff down if I need to either make it smaller make it sink faster take as much material off as I can and get it down
0: do you guys ever use flies that have the um those fish uh, uh, the scalping helmets on them the the big heavy ass scalping helmets or do those yes. make too much of a disturbance when they take <coughs> the water
3: it's only in Lake Michigan well I have fished them at home some with the micro helmets um but on Lake Michigan, yeah, those sculpt and helmet flies work work really well. Um Trevor ties with those. Trevor's like a really, really excellent technical uh fly tire. He used to run the website fly carpet. Well, he still runs it, but I just don't think he's very active on it. But uh um and, and he'll tie with those. Um John is more of like a quantity kind of guy. He'll just he'll you, you just tie a bunch of different flies with bigger and smaller dumbbells and things like that. But yeah, those scoping helmets work great. Um, the problem I got is I live in, in Eastern South Dakota, so I don't have a fly shop within 300 miles. So I can't go grab a pack, look at them, decide it's the size I want and bring them home. I'm trying to order online and hope, you know, that it's the right size and all that. And I can't tell you how many times I've gotten material. That when I got it in my hands, I went. That's the wrong stuff. That's not what I needed. It's too big or too small or whatever. You know what I mean?
0: That really sucks, man. That that's hard when you can't put your hands on something.
3: It's a ch- that that's a real challenge. So I do grab materials when I happen to be somewhere where there's a flash shop. I will, I will, uh, um, you know, sometimes load up on. If I come across some things that I that I know I'm going to be using, I'll, I'll do it. But and it, the other thing and it runs when you got to order and wait is. You can never be like, you know what? I think I'm going to tie some this today. Oh, I don't have any of that. Well, let me run down and grab the what I need, and I'll come back and and tie them. It's always well. I guess I'm going to order it, wait for three days, and hope I still feel like tying, you know, parachute Adams when when, when the hackle gets here. You know what I mean?
0: No, I don't know what you mean. I've never been in the mood to tie a parachute Adams.
3: <laughs> I like to tie parachute Adams.
0: I've never tied a parachute fly that looks like. Anything, uh, presentable, you know, I wouldn't show my son it and like show off.
3: <laughs> I mean, I don't let anyone look at my fly box, but, but, uh, I catch, you know, I catch about a third of my carp on dry flies here in South Dakota. And a lot of those are on uh, parachute atoms actually. Really? Twelves. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh,
0: speaking of that, um, Lake Michigan, do you yeah. use different rods than you would for the, the South Dakota fish? Are they bigger fish in general out there? Or what what are you looking for?
3: Oh, that's a good question. Um yeah, uh an eight weight. So <clears throat> if I if I could design the perfect carp rod for South Dakota, um, it would cast like a three weight and it would but it would have the backbone, but it would fight like a eight or nine weight. And, uh, and so I'm always trying to split the difference because I'm pretty close to the fish and trying to make like real sort of subtle, delicate presentations, but then I, you know, might land a 24 pound fish. And, uh, and so, you know, once you're hooked up, you got a, you got that problem, right? And it's a lot of stumpy kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, it's oftentimes, you know, you're really having to, or weeds, so you're, you're really wrestling with the fish. So, so in South Dakota, I kind of split the difference and shoot for like a seven weight, maybe an eight weight. But if I do an eight weight, I try to get something that's like a mid flex. So I'm not making any bomb casts. Um, no, nah, that's not true. <laughs> but very rarely uh, it, might, it might happen to make long casts. Now, instead, what I'm trying to do is get a, uh, a rod that will load, you know, for a 20 foot cast with 10 foot of fly line out the front end. And um, and those stiffer rods tend to struggle to load on that, or, uh, or at least I struggle to make them load.
0: I found the um, same thing. I'm sorry, go ahead. I found the same thing.
3: Yeah, yeah. Now, so in Michigan, I actually can go up to the to the eight or nine weight because you're making longer casts, and so and you're casting heavier flies, so you kind of need it. And, and they're the right rod to fight the fish with. So those those three things are reasons why. The other one is. The Lake Michigan's colder, and so uh, those fish, even th- they are g- generally larger. Um, but even if they weren't, they they uh, are in a much more well oxygenated environment. So I will see my backing there. I, I can go I can go all all year in South Dakota without seeing my backing, uh, even if I'm catching big fish. Um, and uh, and in Michigan you'll see your backing. Uh, every day um because there's a lot of open space there's a lot of cool water and the fish are are well oxygenated very athletic fish and uh, not sort of fat slobs they've been chasing chasing uh bait fish around and so uh they tend to be stronger um so i'm hesitating to say bigger because um i do catch fish here that are I, I, there are bigger fish in Lake Michigan, I have no doubt, but we have giant fish in South Dakota and, and I tend to catch, you know, just some of them. Um, I don't, I, you know, I rarely, but we will come across 30 pounders here, um, but the, and the 20s, you know, low 20s um, um, are become, you know, now that I've got my boat and I can get to the places I wanted to get to, I quite frequently come across them. Um, which is a lot like the same size as Michigan, but it just doesn't seem like that they have the same strength uh, as those as those big open water fish. It's a little bit kind of reminiscent of the difference between catching a saltwater fish and a, and a freshwater fish. You know, a, a nine pound redfish will will whip your butt in, in the salt, and a uh, and a, a nine pound you know nine pound anything's a big fish, but they just fight harder in the salt. And I think it's a little bit like that in, in Michigan, just because it's the size of the body of water, how active those fish are, how generally athletic they are. It just seems like they're the real um, uh, the real ass kickers. Um, so yeah, I will fish bigger rods, partially simply because I can um, with the casting and partially because it's, it's necessary. Last year, I spent a lot of time fishing one of John's rods, which was a, a graphite. Or, I mean a um, uh, fiberglass epic bandit uh, 10 weight I think it was a 10 weight and that was a great rod for out there it was a that was an excellent rod for those fish.
0: And the 10 weight doesn't feel overgunned
3: Not in the fiberglass. okay it you know there's so much bend in a fiberglass rod it 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 didn't didn't feel that way. Had it been a graphite rod like a stiff graphite, I think it probably would have felt a little bit Although that's what my permit rod is, is a 10 weight graphite and, you know, permit are big, strong fish, but, um, so we're, so are carp in Lake Michigan, big, strong fish. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have any, any quality fishing a 10 weight in in Lake Michigan. If I needed to, I wouldn't, wouldn't go much bigger than that, but
0: no, but, uh, you wouldn't pull out the musky sticks.
3: No, no, there's no reason for twelve weight. I mean, you're still casting <laughs> a fly that's two inches long. Exactly. Um, And, and there are times, you know, because like I said, the situations are so variable when you'll go out thinking you're going to be making, you know, 60 foot casts to cruising fish and you'll find out they're all uh, mudding in a backwater and, uh, and you're trying to, you know, do 25 foot flip casts to them and you, you can't, it's difficult with a stiffer rod. So it's still, that, that challenge is still there. I lost a rod last year up there. I think that, that might've been my brother's rod actually. Now that I
0: think about it. You, um, you lost a rod and a camera?
3: I lost a rod. I dunked a camera and I lost a custom one of the kind reel. So oh, I put the reel like... and the rod on top of the truck <laughs> along with Trevor, I put his rod and reel on top of the truck. And then we ch- took our waders off The mosquitoes were like super thick and we were putting our stuff in the truck and slapping mosquitoes and we quick jumped in and drove away and then realized the rods had not been taken off the top of the truck. Turn around, went back and they were gone, gone, gone.
0: That sucks, man. Yeah. That's a sick feeling.
3: Those were reels that Trevor had 3D printed for us. Sealed drag, saltwater style. 3d printed reels. They were absolutely unbelievable. They were light. They were, I loved them and they floated the reel floated. That, so you could drop your rod in the water and it would float.
0: That's cool. That that makes a big difference.
3: Oh, spectacular. Cause if you're holding, if you're, when you're dealing with a fish in a net and stuff, your rod doesn't sink to the bottom and you just, you just drop it right there. And as long as there's not a ton of wave action to suck it out to sea, um, it just floats there next to you. It was great. Um, but you know, then I lost the lost it all the whole damn thing. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> God. Oh. So, is that there, it still hurts.
0: Is there any way of getting another one of those reels uh, reprinted?
3: Yeah, Trevor's working on printing one for me right now, so that'd be nice. What a dude. He's a good man. I don't care what anybody says about him. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so I am really jacked for 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 lake michigan um you know the uh last year was my first year with those guys i'd been i'd been to beaver island before that and uh which was fun um but going with those guys is just it's great fun because a they've got a lot of knowledge but also you know three of my best buddies and i don't see them very often so to all get to congregate and go do what we do and and get pictures and all that stuff is good especially when the fishing's on you know, but they, John and Justin talk about, I mean, their first year there, they fished for nine days, I think maybe, maybe it's five, I don't know, a lot of days in a row and they only saw one carp the whole time. So it, you know, there, there are, there are years when it's a real struggle and, uh, depending on water temperatures and lake levels and all that. So having two guys who've done it that many years and have it pretty dialed, um, you know, that's a good time to tag along, <laughs> let them go through all the pain of that. Oh, absolutely. later. <laughs>
0: can you get away with a little bit like heavier tippet with those fish since you're, since you're casting further and they're not as close to you and
3: <laughs> yeah, you could fish. I mean, I'm fishing, uh, Audix. Um, I should probably fish fluoro because there's a lot of rocks and that abrasion resistance would help. Um, I wasn't last year I was fishing mono and I, and I guess I didn't have a significant problem with it getting cut off, but, uh, um, but yeah, you could go to you could go to audex pretty easily on those fish, and uh, um, and they don't they don't seem to notice. It's long, like you said, longer casts. They're they're much more aggressive, so there's not as much sort of fly inspection going on. It doesn't matter if your fly is you know gently fluttering perfectly next to their face for them to eat it. They're 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 swimming. They're they're moving in a shoal, and and oftentimes kind of almost. They'll be singles for sure, kind of picking their way along, but sometimes there'll be two, three, four, five of them in kind of a small group and moving around, moving and almost in like a, like almost in some kind of a formation, you know, and, and you'll cast that fly in front of them and then, and then uh, they're flushing little gobies out of the rocks as they go. And every once in a while, one of them will peel off and chase one down and eat it. So you're throwing that fly in front of them and when they're, you know, two, three feet back from it, you're giving it a real hard pop and strip and letting it, you know, uh, uh, strip to you. So it flutters up off the bottom and back down and, and then watching the fish turn on it and and maybe hitting it again and, and, and having them chase it until they can pin it to the bottom. And then, and then you stick them. So with that kind of more aggressive behavior, I think the, I think you can get away, uh, uh, get away with a lot, you know, heavier tippet than, than, than you would otherwise.
0: So when they're moving in formation like that, kind of sounds like a gang getting ready to go in and rob a liquor store.
3: You can hear them snapping their fingers and singing <laughs> "When You're a Jet, You're a Jet All the Way."
1: I imagined it more like the uh, the flying V from the uh, Mighty Ducks, I and mean, they're going go to That's actually goal. what it
3: looks like. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, the flying. I forgot about the flying V. Yeah, it kind of looks like that. And then they'll. Uh, and oftentimes, by the way, it's not the lead fish that peels off; it's one of the one of the back. The, the the next couple back that'll peel off and and uh and go to eat it now that could all be a figment of my imagination i mean you're watching these fish and trying to interpret their behavior but there certainly is a group of fish and they're in in kind of a line sort of v-shaped kind of you know uh uh shoal of fish together and they're they're hunting together and it's really cool to see the other way we got into them uh last year was we would find them in spawning areas, all in a big group uh, doing the whole spawning thing. And, um, and if you just post it up on the edges, there fish would peel out and, and move into the shallow waters off the edge of the spawning pod and, uh, and feed. And uh, those fish were happy, happy, happy and aggressive. And, uh, and you, you stick them on the edges of the thing. If you can find, if we could find a group of them, uh, Spawning, we would, um you know, we'd spend. You could spend all day there working that that group and rest them, and they go back and rest them, and and that was, you'd that's when you could get shots at some. One of the times you could get shots at some real giant females. In fact, when Trevor and I had double, we doubled up on twenty pounders, and um, those fish had moved in and were kind of thinking about and kind of starting to to softly spawn. And then those two fish had moved out into the, into the vegetation to eat. And, and we, uh, um, actually Trevor hooked his and, uh, and fought it in and we netted it. And, and as she was holding in the net, I turned and looked and there was a 20 swimming right towards us. And I flipped my fly out. And she ate it. And then she swam off and then we netted her. And, then, and, and, uh, and then we get, got, got, uh, uh, got a picture with the double 20s effect. I think mine was 24 and Trevor's was like 22 or something. Um, but who's So them? that's a real good way to find those big ones.
0: So you had 46 pounds of carp in a net at once.
3: <clears throat> yeah. And we broke that net, uh, on that trip. That's when my camera got dunked. So, oh man, I, I felt so bad for Trevor, but, uh, we, uh, I landed a big fish and I had my big uh, DSLR camera with me and um, uh, we, I, I, I landed the fish and Trevor wanted to take a picture and, and he, you know, I i said, well, why don't you use my camera? And he's like, I don't want to hurt it. And I said, yeah, you'll be fine. And yeah. so I put the thing around his neck and uh, the, the, the uh, strap around his neck and he got the camera and I got the settings all set up and everything. And, and uh, held the fish, and he took a couple of pictures, and then, um, uh, oh no! Actually, what happened was I forgot about this.
0: <laughs> oh, this is so sad. Sorry, Trevor.
3: So, so <laughs> he he he. Uh, uh, did we get the pictures first or afterwards? We must have got them afterwards with a different camera. Um, he had it. He was ready to take the pictures. Oh no! I I do remember this. So. He had the camera around his neck and he was about to take the pictures. And first I needed to weigh the fish. And we had it in the net. So I lifted, I put the, I, I, I hooked the scale to the net and I lifted the fish up. And the fish went through the bottom of the net. And <laughs> and and it and swam, was swimming away, swam between Trevor's legs. And Trevor had taken the camera and stuffed it for protection into, into the, the, the top of his chest waders. And, uh, um, and that fish as it swam through his legs, he decided to catch it so that we could get pictures with it. And he bent down and sort of pinned it to the bottom and grabbed it (laughs) and lifted bear hugged the fish back out of the water. (laughs) And, uh, and, and and I came over to him and took it from him. And then we both looked and my camera was sitting in the bottom of the lake where it had fallen out of the chest wagers when he had done the, the fish wrestle. And, uh, and so, you know, we retired that camera and, uh, mm-hmm. and then he took pictures, I think with his phone for me. And then, uh, and then we let the fish go, but, uh, yeah, he caught that fish by fair hands unhooked. It was unhooked from, 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 uh, you know, it was just, it was free swimming and he, and he caught it like a, like a grizzly bear would have mm-hmm. for the low, low price of one Nikon camera. And <laughs> <laughs>
0: whatever lens was on it.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. So I took it. And so the camera came home and, uh, I took it apart and let it dry out and, uh, never, it, it was still causing me all kinds it still wasn't working right. So I got a new one, which is fine. I was due for an upgrade, but, um, about six months later, I was like, I wonder if this, I still have this camera sitting around and maybe I should get rid of it. Not six months, a month later, maybe I should get, maybe I should get rid of it or I don't know have it refurbished or something. And, and, uh, and I turned it on and put the lens on, and there you sure, sure enough the, the 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 body's all working again. So the camera body's fine as far as I can tell. The lens is shot. I had to get a new one, but um, now I have a backup camera body. There you go. Yeah, yep. man, that's a silver lining. That's At a- the time, I was very um, bummed, but uh, uh, but yeah, silver lining. So, yeah, we went, we went through so much gear. God, two rods, two reels, a camera, a number of nets. I mean, it was an expensive trip, boys. We should have hired a guide.
0: Do you take spare nets out with you or are you going to start taking spare nets out with you?
3: Yeah, we take we take we make sure each of us have a net and we fish in pairs. So that should hopefully get you through the day. Um, and then we do a lot of net repair back home. Uh, with that one of Trevor's, for example, we sewed. Um, we we sewed back together with fishing line back at the uh, back at the house that evening. So, we'll, and then you know we'll have we'll bring two on the trip. Probably one, two, three, four, five, six, six or seven nets will come on the trip. And uh, it's hard though because there just isn't a good option for a net that's big enough. And has a bag that's strong enough to handle that kind of punishment, but that you can also, you know, we'll wade miles that day. And uh, so you know, carrying a big boat net around doesn't work. So it's a it's a tough balance looking for foldable nets that are strong enough. I think Justin uses a net he built, actually. Um and there just doesn't seem to be uh too great of options. I do know that Trevor was using one of those rhino nets and he really that really did a good job for him. That really, really worked. Um, uh, and, and that's not the one that the bag failed on. Actually, that was my. Now that I think about it, it was no, it was hit one of his. He must have brought two, um, because uh, he wasn't didn't have the rhino net with him that day.
1: So, how do you decide who uh, who gets paired up with each other? Is like like uh, short stick or you know uh, short... short short stick gets Dan. Yeah, <laughs> <Or> short straw. <laughs> no how does that work? We have
3: decided. Uh, that the best every time we we fish together, whether we're on the Columbia or or Michigan or whatever, it just seems to work best for Justin and John to fish together and Trevor and I to fish together, just Yay. from a personality perspective. Um, that that kind of ends up being how it how it pairs off, and uh, so we do that. Um, and we'll have one or two days where where we mix it up, but for the most part, that's the um, uh, that's the way it, that's the way we fish.
0: Do you have any days? Any days where all four of you get together and just hoot and holler and just lay the smack down on the carp?
3: Um, yes, <laughs> we did, and what we did was, none of the water can really accommodate four. I mean, it takes a big flat to handle four people. You can handle two on a flat, and that that's usually about it. So, um, but we had the last day where we had a spot that was that was real um accommodative to to four different to four anglers and uh and we we uh we all fished together for the whole day and it was so much fun oh it was so much fun um and we whacked them good
2: <laughs>
3: hmm. we whacked them good it was fun the, the the thing about uh splitting up and doing it with just two guys is you get into a situation where you got to like take turns for some reason it, you know, that's fine. It works good to take turns with two guys. If you try to take turns with more than two guys, that's a long wait in between being able to to take turns, you know? And, um, and so, uh, so we, we usually just split up, but, you know, we're up and out early and we're back, you know, about dinner time. We spend all the evenings together and then, uh, um, and then try to get one day or maybe two days where, where we're all fishing together and we rotate rotated around and stuff. So it works out pretty good. And and then, you know, the fact is I fish with Justin um, in Minnesota uh, for trout, usually a couple times a year. Um, I'll probably this year get a chance to go out and see John in Portland again uh, for, for a few days and fish with just him. Uh, if Trevor and I can work it out at all, I think he's going to try to come up here. So, you know, we also try to get some time to, to fish with each other but that's kind of just the 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 modus operandi in, in in michigan has been the, the split the other way
0: that's cool man and if it works for you keep rolling with it you know
3: yeah and you know when you're fishing 12 12 14 hour days your best friend can become somebody you don't want to be around you know yeah. you can it, it can it can get so to have the personalities figure out a way that makes it so everybody's happy and and all the personalities sort of click together, uh, just you know, no no reason to jack with it.
0: Yep, exactly, man. Well, hey, we uh we heard someone in the background. Can
3: yeah, that's young Leo.
0: Yeah, man. Can we talk about Leo a little bit? Um, we've, yeah. we've been talking fishing for an hour. Let's let's talk some hunting, man.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I got uh. You know, I did like the whole rest of the planet did. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but about a year ago this time, they told us all not to leave our houses. And so I ran out and bought a puppy. <laughs> um, <laughs> me and me and everyone else. Uh, actually, I've been shopping for a, for a, or kind of keeping my eyes open for a good opportunity to get a bird dog. Um, for a couple of years. Um, and, uh, uh, between being home, stuck working from home, and uh, and then I got a phone call from a a friend of mine, and it was a really unique situation where there was one unspoken for puppy out of a, a litter that had been meant just for the the family, and uh, um, and so the pricing was pretty right. It was you know given that the dog had pretty good bloodlines and all of that, um, and uh, and so I, I swooped out and got him. And, uh, so we brought home this time last year, you know, brand new, um, little black lab. He's, uh, he's, uh, (laughs) he's not so little anymore. He just weighed in at 78 pounds actually at the vet the other day. But, um, yeah, so I spent the, the, uh, most of the spring and summer, um, figuring out I've, I've, I've hunted pheasants since I was. Tiny, um, but I've uh, never had a bird dog before. Um, I've hunted either with other people's dogs or just on foot. I did a, a significant amount of my hunting here on public ground by myself with no dog, and uh, that's a that's a tough way to do it. But uh, but I like it, and uh, so it was really really fun to you know learn how to train him to uh, not only be a good house dog and and, and family pet, but also. Um. Yeah, I, I was gonna say train him out to hunt, but that is totally wrong mischaracterization. He comes genetically programmed to hunt. I just gotta train him how to hunt with a person, and um, and so you know, learning how to work together and and all that was um was really cool, man. It was it was great, and and on top of that, we had some of the best bird numbers in South Dakota in years. So, um opening day came around. He was about seven months old when opening day came around and, and we went out and uh, got his first bird on opening day. Um, and in fact, if I can shoot straighter, we would have gotten two, two birds that day. Um, and, uh, and then went through the first season, which was, I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing. We went from uh, him not having any idea why we were out there, just, you know, just running around as fast as he could. Uh, got to hunt with some good dogs, got to hunt some good property, had some misadventures, big time misadventures. Um, and, and being on a lot of birds set uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, to, and missing retrieves and, you know, just generally being very frustrating to me, um, had everything he needed, all the tools, just hadn't put any of it together by the end of the year, the last weekend in January, um, we late season pheasant hunting in South Dakota is very difficult because the birds have been pressured a ton and there's not very many of them around, uh, by then. And, uh, him and I went out, uh, Saturday and Sunday and limited both days. Um, and we were, I I were hunted that entire weekend without saying a word. We were, he was, uh, he was functioning completely under hand signals. He was, he's, he's got some, pointing tendencies about half the birds that we that we got he pointed and uh he'd figured out to circle them and and he would just stone pin them with a point till i could get close and then he would pounce on them like a cat practically and then i would shoot them and then he'd go get them my shooting got better too by the end of the year but uh yeah he was a stone cold killer by the end Uh, um so it was a great season i think we took 43 birds this year um If I counted right, and no, we were never over our position possession limit if the game fishing parks is listening. I ate a lot of pheasant this fall. (laughs) My poor daughter at one point said to me, Oh, pheasant is just off-brand chicken.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what do you like better, pheasant or chicken?
3: I personally like pheasant better. Okay. I do. Um It's just got a little more flavor to it. You got to handle it a little bit uh, uh, more carefully because it, it, it'll dry out quicker. It's, it's drier uh, naturally. Um, but, you know, I've got a lot of really good uh, pheasant recipes. And uh, um, uh, and and if if it's, if it's cooked right, I, I like it better. It's a little firmer. It's got some more flavor to it. It doesn't get sort of me- mealy like a, a chicken can. And, you uh, know, um, yeah, it's it's one of my favorites, man. I I love it. And we <laughs> ate a bunch of it. I still got some in the freezer, but we we put a, we ate a lot this fall.
0: Do you pluck them or do you skin them?
3: I skin them. Uh, so I prepared them a couple of ways this year. I always skin them. So what I'll do is take the the legs off, the feet off at the bottom at the at the knee, right, at the lowest joint. Um, And I always break the joint and cut. You can just cut them with the shears. People do that. But I break the joint and cut the tendons to take the legs off because having those rounded bone ends instead of sharp pointy ones means that when I then put them in a Ziploc bag and take all the air out of them, they never puncture my bags. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And then I take both the wings off. I preserved most of the wings because I used them for training with Leo. And then I skinned the rest of the bird, uh, take the head off, skin the rest, and gut the rest of the bird. So it looks like a whole chicken, like you'd roast, get you know, like a roasting chicken from the grocery store. Um, and then uh, and then I would, you know, cook them fresh or freeze them then. The other thing I did this year for the first time is I did uh, um, age a couple of birds, uh, let them hang and, and aged them. And that, worked really well i was nervous because i did have i mean i know people do it and i know they do it with ducks and they do it with pheasants um you know you you basically there's a couple of of ways to do it but uh uh, you basically just leave the bird the the way you brought it home and hang it to uh and let it, it as long as you keep the temperature controlled and and i didn't have to i it was this year was perfect it would get into like 33 34 degrees during the day and then you know down down a little bit cooler at night I have a spot in my garage that kind of keeps the temperature moderated but um I was nervous because I did have a number of people that are like doctors and stuff who were like oh I'd never do that the bacterial growth and all of this stuff but the more I read about it from the food processors and stuff it you know as long as as it was a good clean shot there wasn't a lot of shot in the in the gut cavity i checked real close to make sure that it, there wasn't a lot of so that a lot of the gut juices weren't getting in weren't you know uh running out or getting into the meat that was all still sort of contained in that cavity that you know you can age them you know you can age them until as long as you want for a long time if you want uh i shouldn't say as long as you want but for a long time um long so as- i did mine for three days and and they came out extra tender um pretty juicy uh, uh, um, it was it was good
1: now is that because the maybe the rigor mortis was sitting in, setting in or does that have nothing to do with that or
3: no, that's a great question so there's two things going on when you do that the first is <laughs> um, yeah the rigor mortis problem which is uh, you you know uh, w- w- the way there's a great podcast. The Meat Eater podcast has a great uh, episode about this from a guy who's who's a professional meat processor. But the way um, meat is handled around rigor mortis is really important. Whether the, the animal has been through rigor mortis or not will have a lot to do with how tender it is. And this allows the rigor mortis to completely relax out before you start cutting it. Um, and that makes it more tender. The other thing that happens is and this, you know, same thing that happens when you're dry aging uh, uh, beef. There's some sort of bacterial things going on in that meat, and it's literally starting to break down a little bit. And as it starts to break down, it just naturally gets to more tender. And if they can break down without the wrong kind of bacteria growing that are going to make you have diarrhea for three days or something, um, you uh, uh, you get just sort of a ten more tender cut of meat and and those breasts on that one in particular on those those couple in particular were were quite tender and 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 then uh um there's always the um added variable about of cooking right so i can't guarantee that they were all cooked exactly the same right you don't want to overcook them you don't want to undercook them so you are trying to hit that sweet spot so it could also be that i just cooked those better but they sure seemed more more tender and and juicy, and I did not become ill from them, but I did not feed them to anyone else until I had a better idea what the heck I was doing.
0: You didn't feed them to Ella either.
3: <laughs> no, by then she was on a special boycott completely, and she was only eating things that you know she she was only eating takeout, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, I did not uh, um, I did not feed them to her on those.
1: So, um, do you stick to the pheasant hunting only or do you get out? Did you try duck hunting with them or anything else? Or is it always just pheasant and is that all you get
3: into? This year it was all pheasant. Um, and, uh, uh the intention is, you know, assuming things go well, the attention, intention is to do some duck and goose hunting with him, uh, this next year. But I had a couple of unique things happen this fall and uh and i primarily want him to be a pheasant hunting dog and so with his first season uh, i just every time i got an opportunity to put him on pheasant i i, I did it and uh and I, so i didn't take as much i didn't do any waterfowl hunting this year but uh but we will we'll jump some ducks and we'll set up a blind and we did our deeks out and do some duck work and he's done a lot of training for for duck hunting and uh he knows how to sit and hold quietly and wait and and retrieve uh water, retrieve on command, and even does some hand signaling in the water. Um, but uh, but he's never done it with a live duck before, so we're going to find out how that goes potentially when uh, when when the time comes. But uh, um, and then the other thing Leo's ha- uh, lucky enough to experience is uh, I I have some some property in Nebraska I can hunt and southern Nebraska I can hunt that has quail and. Uh, and some prairie chickens. And so we got down and we did chase some of those too. And we'll do that again every year. If, uh, if, if he gets to hunt anymore, he might be retired boys.
0: That that's sad news.
3: Yeah. In November, um, he, he came up favoring a leg, um, at the end of four hard days of hunting. So I wasn't, you know, it, it was, it, it, it was, and right at the end. And so I rested him for a day, and he um uh and he was fine and then in january he had it happen again <clears throat> and so that got me a little concerned uh, but i rested him for a day it just it just kind of seemed like maybe he had a leg was like a little stiff um and so i rested him again and and he was fine and then uh and then it happened uh two times in quick succession here the, a couple of weeks ago um and and didn't seem like he was healing up as quickly either. So I took him into the vet and, uh, he did a bunch of, um, I've got a great, great vet. Who's a sports animal vet. Uh, he's actually a fly fisherman that I I met, uh, fly fishing for carp. (laughs) And, uh, and it just turned, turns out that uh, he's also an excellent vet. So he, um, did a, did a bunch of, of, uh, of work on him. We, we haven't got x-rays yet, but he did a bunch of work on his, uh, uh, his range of motion and checked his swelling in his knees and his and his hips and all that and his both of his back knees were swollen and one of his hips was swollen and uh, um, uh, it, it appears that he may have some cruciate problems, although we don't know that for sure we're doing physical therapy right now to try to avoid surgery, but uh, appears that he may have some cruciate problems in his knees, uh, which will then be faced with the question of do we do a couple of MCL, ACL repair surgeries uh, and hope to rehab out of them and hope it it goes well. Do we, you know, what do we do? Um, so uh, right now we're doing physical therapy twice a day. I'm stretching him and cranking on him and, and testing his range of motion. And, and we've got exercises, uh, r- uh, exercise routines we're doing uh, <laughs> that are very mild. So uh, that means that he's not getting his usual amount of exercise. So he's also a big pain in the ass because he thinks we should be up playing all the time and we're not. Yep. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, uh, uh, but we're going to see on Tuesday, we go back to after all that PT and see, you know, uh, do we need x-ray him? And if so, do we, does he need surgeries? And if so, what do we do next? You know?
0: Yeah, man, that's, that's a tough decision. It's hard, hard to do, you know?
3: Yeah. It is. It's a tough balance because, you know, as a family member for sure, um, he uh, he's a stone cold killer in the field, um, and uh, um, which is cool. He loves it. That's the other thing. I thought, well, if he has to retire from hunting, I'll get another one. And then I thought, wait a second, can you imagine leaving Leo behind and taking another dog? Like, what that – oh, my
2: God, that no, feels sir.
3: like torture because he knows about hunting, you know? It's almost like – And he knows like what other dog's doing.
1: Oh, yeah, that other dog's going to come back smelling like the field. And, uh, exactly. Like, oh, well, you were even out, right you now, dick. if I
3: walk over to my gun cabinet and get my 16-gauge out, Leo will go running stand by the truck.
1: He's mm-hmm. like,
3: you not we're not leaving. Um, Or if I get my Blaze Orange out, and I can't imagine, you know. So, I don't know, man. We're going to play it by ear at this point we're going to work our butts off in physical therapy and, uh, and see what the vet says and, uh, and hope for the best. And, and, you know, like I said, my vet's great. And if he says, look, we can do surgery. And I, and if we do, I'm really confident that we can have a full recovery and uh, and he'll have a a long, happy life of hunting. That's one thing. If he says, we're going to have surgery, but there's, you know, there's a good chance this doesn't go well. You know, then I don't know. Then there's another thing. So we're just gonna have to have to figure it out. But I am, uh, um, yeah, I'm. I'm not looking forward to it. I feel bad for the little guy. Yeah. Plus, I feel bad for me, and that's uh, a jerky <laughs> thing to say, but I do. You know, it's like God, you waited all this time. You finally got your bird dog. You spent all that time. Uh,
0: you had one great um, season with him, and
3: exactly then taken away, exactly. Exactly. So I don't know, man. Although with the year he had, he's already retrieved more birds than a lot of dogs will for many years. So that's, uh, that's a good news.
0: Hey, and did you get any uh, carp tying materials from all these pheasants at Leo?
3: <laughs> yeah, buddy. I skin those, When I skin those things out, I stretch them and salt them. And uh, not all of them, but a, a few of them. So I got a couple of full pelts and that's almost the only soft hackle uh, feathers I use as, is from from pheasants that I uh um that I uh, that you uh shot myself. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yes, yeah, so we got all kinds of stuff there.
0: Cool, cool, man. Well, hey, we've had you on the horn for just over an hour. Is there anything that we haven't hit on that you would like to?
3: No, dude, I think we touched it all today.
0: I think we did. We're rounding home, man. Round and third coming home. Did we, uh, <laughs> did we touch on the uh, the voices?
1: Oh, we did. Oh, yeah. Do we want to talk that five minutes, maybe, or something <laughs> like that,
3: and then we'll get out of here? Yeah, for sure. So,
0: <laughs> so let, uh, let's uh, let's include everyone into what we were talking about before we heed the mics up. Yeah. So, Dan, um, let, let's go back even further. Every year on April first, Orvis releases a a podcast, you know, and take it for what it is, right? Yep. And you might have been associated with this year's? <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, I've been associated with, with a, uh, a number of them. So uh, for those of you who listen to the Orvis podcast, you, you may have noticed that a, a couple of times, actually I think three or four times, there have been podcasts they released where some enterprising young or old uh, guy, took uh, other podcasts that Tom was, uh, you know, interviews with Tom and uh, um, (laughs) cut him up and made him sound like he was, for example, answering questions uh, as though he was a stripper (laughs) or, or giving dating advice. That's, you know, terrible, creepy dating advice. These, (laughs) these, these, uh, these podcasts and, and then Orvis has released them. And I've done that for, for Orbis for a little while. Um, and, uh, and partially because of those, which the first one I just sent to, to Tom, I've known Tom for a long time. We're good friends. He, he's part of the reason that I, uh, got my book deal and all that stuff. And, uh, and so partially because of those when Thomas done, did the, this April fool's podcast a couple of years ago. He said, Hey, I'm doing an April Fools podcast, would you do would you call in and ask you know a funny question? And I did it two years ago and then this year <laughs> this year he, uh, he did it again um, with uh, he asks he asked a few people. I know Hank Patterson called him with a question, things like that. Well, I, I had extra time on my hands, I guess, but <laughs> I sent him four options this year. and uh, uh, and I figured he'd just pick one and he wrote back and said, I love these. They're great. I want to use all four of them, but you got to disguise your voice for three of them. (laughs) And I don't know if you guys have ever tried to disguise your voice, but you do sound like an absolute idiot trying to talk. And unless you're a professional comedian or actor or something, uh, uh, disguising your voice and talking, trying to make your voice unrecognizable and talking is not easy, but yeah. But for those, uh, uh, on the Orvis podcast from April one, for the questions that were called in, um, are are me with a terribly disguised voice asking ridiculous questions. Which, by the way, I thought Tom's answers were fantastic. I didn't I didn't know the answers until the podcast came out. I just sent him the questions, and and then he, uh, you know, he answers them, uh, you know, as though they were real. I guess, which uh, which cracked me up too. But I had uh, I asked him let's see the uh, i asked you were him, billy with yep a, with, i asked him <laughs> so, i asked him the, the the proper way to tie a non-slip mono loop knot i man- love this when, when people will call in and say and, and ask for there are certain things that are very hard to describe right over the over the airwaves when someone's just listening and how to tie a knot is one of them and, uh, and it always cracks me up and so i uh I called, I called in as a fast-talking young man with two different ways to tie a non-slip model loop knot, and he wanted Tom to tell him which was the right one, and he uh, tries to describe it very quickly to Tom, and, and it, it cracked me up pretty good to to make that one.
0: I was very impressed with that one. How many takes did that take?
3: Okay, you're not going <laughs> to believe this. <laughs> Don't
0: tell me you got it on first try, asshole.
3: One <laughs> take in v- Billy's voice. It took me like 10 times when I was just doing it myself in my normal voice at my normal speed to send to Tom that that I thought would be the one he'd use. But when he asked me to um, when he asked me to disguise my voice and I did it, well, maybe I'll do this fast talking guy, Billy. um, I I had already done it enough times. I guess it was sort of lodged in my brain and it came out uh, um, came out on the first take with that one. I was very proud of myself. Um, so I did that one. I did John, (laughs) John from Indiana, John John from Indiana.
0: You had (laughs) Bob from Minnesota.
3: Oh yeah. John from Indiana was driving to Montana. Yes. And he was going to, and he described two different rivers whose names he didn't want to disclose. And he wanted uh, Tom to tell him which one to fish. That one was a little bit like the Billy one describing a river without is impossible in any way that you can picture. And so, you know, it's a series of of him saying, you know, one river has a bend and another bend and a deep loop and then a shallow, bumpy section and then a long, <laughs> dry, and then a bump and then another turn back and then a waterfall, but not really a waterfall because you can climb over it, but sort of a waterfall. And he describes that one and then he describes another one and then he asks him which, which river he should fish. Um, which by the way, Tom's answer was fantastic on that one. Us, oh, hilarious. Um, then it was Bob from Minnesota who, uh, had been fishing for six months and decided he wanted to be a permit guide in the Keys. Um, and thought if he could, uh, if he could just figure out which, uh, what that platform that's over the motor of a flats boat is for, um. That would be all the information he'd need to be a uh, uh, to then move to to the keys and be a, a permit guide. Um, Tom gave him a spectacular answer on that. On that one, Tom said, uh, I, uh, uh, "Bob said, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a spoiler to keep the bottom down when you're going fast, or if it's a cutting board for cleaning the permit.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, when, when you,
3: after you catch them, or maybe it's a rain guard to keep the water off the motor." And, uh, and Bob's, or Tom's answer was fantastic. First, he gave him a whole bunch of advice about how nice the, 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 the existing keys guides would be if he just showed up and started asking questions and, and had them take him fishing and then pin the locations and how, how nice they would be to him if he did that. And then he told him that the, that the pulling platform was an airfoil that lifted the boat up. So that if you really had it cranked, you really had that throttle down and it was wide open, you could get, you could, that airfoil would lift the boat up and you could skim over almost dry land. You could skim over like shallow, like, like one inch shallow, um, uh, sandbars and that he should take his boat and go find a flat and get it wide open and find the nearest shallow sandbar and point it right at it and watch how that, that airflow would lift him up and skim him right across the top of it. (laughs)
0: Uh, i I remember laughing out loud at these and then uh what the fourth one was theodore
3: oh yeah that guy was a jerk theodore is some tweed jacket wearing uh upper crust guy uh somewhere in uh on the east coast who you know him and mitzi were on vacation um and he had called to complain to tom that there must be some flaw in the materials that they used to make their um uh leaders out of because uh after after only fishing for a half hour and casting beautifully uh he had he had developed some kind of bumps or balls in the uh uh in the material and uh and while his partner had said they were wind knots that seemed preposterous considering it was a dead calm day there's no way it could have been a wind knot so it must be a flaw in the materials orbis is using and, and and tom's answer was great on that one too he said that uh there is no flaw in the material, uh, but that there is a a um, something in the like a resin or something in the seat of uh, Range Rovers. And that clearly this guy must drive a Range Rover because it interacts with the <laughs> with the mono that they use for their leaders. And it creates these nodules and that the guy should sell his Range Rover and buy a Honda Civic. <laughs> Oh my. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, those things are really they're fun to make. Um and 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 fun to listen to and hear back, but uh it's hard trying to do funny things because it never yourself sounds as funny the second time when you're trying to listen back to it and by the end you're like i hate this and i'm embarrassed that i did this but i'm just going to send it and hope for the best you know so i'm glad to hear people liked it i did see some nice comments on them so
0: did you get a lot of feedback did people message you and say hey were you billy from
3: (laughs) i did get some feedback yeah i had a few guys that messaged me uh the one that they so bob from minnesota with the flats boat uh, I did in my own normal voice. And so I had a few people kind, I did a little bit of a Minnesota accent, but basically my own voice. Um, and I had people who recognized that, uh, it was that and Billy where they could tell it was me off. Uh, and then the other two, um, uh, oftentimes I had to tell them, well, I'm also those other two guys, uh, man, I didn't know, maybe I shouldn't have been admitting it. The one that, that you were the only person Chad, that's guessed is, uh, John from Indiana. Oh really? In fact yeah, in fact Tom wrote me back and asked me who I got to do that one for me.
0: (laughs) Well, Hmm. once you told me you did four, I I listened a little bit harder.
3: That and 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 I I realized after I told you I did four that there was only I think six that were that were audio. And so, you know, I four of the six were me. And and (laughs) And one one of them was Hank. (laughs) Yeah, one was Hank, right. You knew that wasn't me. (laughs) Um but uh uh, yeah, man, they were really fun and and funny. Tom Tom does a great job. He is the good thing about Tom. It's a lot like you guys on this podcast. He's so down to earth and willing to make fun of himself. I mean, I don't look. I I sent a podcast to Tom that made it sound like I was doing an interview with him, and he was admitting to uh, having a side hustle as a male stripper,
2: <laughs> um,
3: and and that and that. Uh, fans of his thought that his body looked like arnold schwarzenegger i mean it was all it was
0: crazy
3: (laughs) it was absolutely crazy and hilarious and and he was the butt of the joke right and uh and to you know to think you could uh be tom rosenbauer and and uh you know not have too big of an ego have a small enough ego to be able to think that was funny be willing to post it online and and put it up on the Orbis feed is uh I think it says something there. There are certainly a lot of people who wouldn't have taken it in as good a spirit as he does.
0: Oh, absolutely not. (laughs) I remember, I remember laughing my butt off at that episode as well.
3: (laughs) That's a good one. The dating advice one is a good one. Uh, um, But uh, yeah, so that, that's, um, you know, those guys do a pretty, he does a pretty good job. So it's fun to, to do that stuff on there with, uh, for him. And yeah, man, I liked it. Another, I'll, you know, another one to put down that, that I got to do.
0: Yeah, man. That, uh, like I said, I, I laughed so hard.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you liked it. And, uh, yeah, you know, if you guys would ever ask me to do any, uh, April fool stuff,
0: I'd be... <sighs> uh, we can't do April fool stuff. That That's way too. You already, you already have a job for that. We'll do a what, <laughs> Christmas in July humor.
3: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, geez. Yeah. So anyway, it was good guys.
0: Yeah, man, this has been a good one. Hey, thank you very much, Dan.
3: You bet. I always appreciate it, guys.